This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Boy, I got to tell you, it's a rarity to start a show like this. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm sitting on my couch. Got my computer in front of me. I got a bunch of notes for today's show. I'm watching MLB Now, where they're talking about how the Nationals and their owner has come out and said, Mark Lerner, that they don't know if they can afford Strasburg and Rendon. And as I'm writing, I move my computer and I spill a full mug of coffee over the table onto these special chairs that my wife has in our family room. So half of the coffee goes, not on a chair, it's I don't even know what the heck you'd call it. Half of it goes on this thing, this piece of furniture. The other half goes all over the carpet. And I'm thinking, oh my, and that we're literally 15 minutes before the show. And like a great host would do with his producer, they would both work on getting that coffee up. Commander Cody, sitting at what would be like my counter in my kitchen, doesn't move, doesn't budge. He just continues working on his computer. Who knows what he was doing? As I'm now on the carpet with carpet cleaner and towels and doing everything, and then Cody looks at me and goes, hey, we got five minutes till the show. So I just would like to start off the show saying thank you for the help of me trying to get coffee, which is staining furniture and carpet at my house. I looked over and I saw you scrambling and I was like, what's going on? Then I saw you run and get a, uh, the aerosol can of Resolve. And I'm like, he spilled something, didn't he? And then you're then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I spilled all that coffee. And I put my headphones back in and went to work. I got my lunch pail and went to work. What were you doing that was more important than the staining of my furniture and my carpet? Is it just the millennial laziness, or did you actually do something that's going to help the show during that time? Well, it was a little of both. I was working on the show, but I was also putting fit, putting the finishing touches on the the path with Lucha Oh, Rubino. my God. I'm so tired of hearing about this. It's done. It'll be, it's going to be out I, next week. Literally. 
the amount of work we're putting on Lou Trevino is on. Love Lou Trevino. Did you see his ERA last year? I did. But the path of him getting from where he grew up to here is pretty incredible. Really? He graduated 19 kids. Really? Is he Dennis Eckersley? I'm still young. Still young. I got to tell you, you guys have put a lot of work into this. A lot of this better be the best piece I have ever heard in my career. Joey currently working on Liam Hendricks. So okay, Let, okay, an all star, but still not Dennis Eckersley. A lot of work going in. All right, this is what we got going today. Keith Lippman has been with the Athletics for fifty years. Baseball America just gave him the Tony Gwynn lifetime lifetime achievement award. You talk about a lifetime in baseball; it's pretty amazing. We're going to honor him today, as you name it. So last night, and if you were at the event last night at the Coliseum inside the A's clubhouse where we're, we're getting people signed up for A's access, we're selling all the different parts of the ballpark, all the cool features, all the different decks, and we're selling suites. And I was thinking about this. Our suites – are such the great price for you and families. Like you get like families together and go in on suites. It's it's such a terrific deal, especially for the big games and the big nights. You need to check all of that out at athletics.com. I mean, these party decks, I mean, they're the best. And so I did a half hour with David Forrest, and we talked about Keith Lippman. And you think from Conseco to McGuire to Giambi, Hudson, Mulder, Z, like Keith Lippman has touched all these guys' careers. And we, when we start talking about putting non-managers in the Hall of Fame, I don't know how Keith Lippman could not be one of those guys that you look at as – a man in baseball who would be worthy of a baseball life and Cooperstown. That's my whole thing about what, what, what you think about when you talk about people who change the game forever. Keith Lippman's one of those guys. So we're going to honor him today at 1.30. Another guy. Who should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? It's ridiculous he's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Off the top of my head, I think he won 288 games. <coughs> 288 games. Absolutely amazing. And he had the surgery that changed everything. Where would baseball be without Tommy John? Think about that. Somebody had to be the first. Not only the first, but it had to work. Tommy John should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he's going to be here at 2 o'clock. Sarah Langs from MLB.com. How did you get her? Is she going to be in San Diego for the winter meetings? She will not, sadly. But I got her because of the uh, news about the Mets. And uh, she wrote a great piece about Zach Wheeler being the uh, only, I think he got the most money ever for a Tommy John guy. So, interesting piece on that. And her being a Mets fan and the piece about how the Mets could become the next 
Dodgers. So they got a hedge fund guy coming in who's got a lot of money. But the Wilpons will still be there for five years. So they're still going to be screwed up for five years. It'll be after the five years. I guess this guy's going to be the richest guy in baseball, from what I understand. I guess he's got big dough. I bet the Yankees, that, that's something that I'll be interested from Sarah, is how the Yankees going to take this. Because the Yankees have been the big baller shot caller for all these years. Wasn't always that way, though. You got to remember. You got to remember. In the '80s, the Mets were dominant in New York. It was not the New York Yankees. They were terrible. Don Mattingly only played in the playoffs one time in his career. Will we be getting Don Mattingly, the manager of the Marlins, while we're in San Diego? I got an email back from them finally. <laughs> They told me they sent this long email saying, you know, he's dedicated to spending time with the, the staff and, and the executives. Oh, but we'll, shut we'll, up! We'll, we'll see what we can do. Yes, the the Marlins are they're really on a fast track to competing, but there is another manager joining the show from Florida. The Rays are giving us Kevin Cash. Ah, on Monday. we're finally getting somebody from the Rays. Yeah, it's not our guy Ehrlichman, Jay Money, but we're going to get someone from the Rays, and Kevin Cash will be on at three fifty on Monday, along with Matt Vaskersian. We are going to have the best guest at the winter meetings. We are going to be down there. It's going to be incredible. But Sarah Langs will join us at 2.30. And then a guy I think you all know. Is this about fantasy camp? Dave Stewart, Smoke, one of the great right-handers in Oakland A's history. An Oakland A Hall of Famer is going to join us coming here at 3.30. So we got Lipman at 1.30. We got Tommy John at 2.00. Sarah Lang's at 2.30, and Dave Stewart at 3.30. And something got me thinking going into today. And we've got a bunch of different stuff to tell you what's going on, how we Kendrick resigned with the Nationals. Michael Pineda is going to be back with the Twins. Red Sox are shopping Mookie Betts. Yankees are all in on Garrett Cole. The Padres have made another move. Tommy Fan is going from the Rays for Hunter Renfro and I believe some minor leaguers, Xavier Edwards, a 72nd-ranked prospect in baseball. So the Padres released a team making a move, trying to stop the Dodgers. The Dodgers, who have won the division for seven straight years. That's a record in the NL West. But it got me thinking today, before I, before I panicked and spilt coffee everywhere, we're starting to get tapped out in baseball. I think you're really starting to see for the first time that these owners have had enough. And I don't blame them. We're, I mean, we're talking contracts, guaranteed contracts. It's not like football where football money is like, hey, this guy signs – I don't know, five years, $75 million. Well, that doesn't matter. What matters is the signing bonus. That's what he's guaranteed. Right? So if I sign five years, $75 million, but 40 of it is guaranteed in a signing bonus, that's what he's guaranteed. Now, he's going to get that salary for a couple years. 
But then it starts getting into, like, you know, year three, year four. They can get out of it. Like they've talked about this year in our own area. The Raiders can move on from Derek Carr. The Niners can move on from Garoppolo. Garoppolo's deal was up front. I mean, it's hard to believe, you know, you start talking about your quarterbacks. But, yeah, you could move on from these guys. You can't move on from these type of deals. And it just, it, you know, there, there becomes a point to where how much are you going to pay one guy? And I know fans, especially A's fans, we talked about this last night with David Forrest, and we'll get into it next, is the amount of money you got to spend on one guy. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth one guy spending that much money? If I could ask that question to two different franchises, I wonder what their answer would be this year versus last year. I'll ask that question next, right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. God, we can bring up that the Angels got Dylan Bundy. Eat some innings for them. I don't know if I'm buying that the Yankees are all in on Cole. Talked about that last night with some guys. Who's saying that? Are the Yankees saying that? This is what I've been seeing, apparently. Have the Yankees said that? I don't see. I don't think Cashman's come out and directly said it. Have we seen anybody who works for the Yankees say they're all in on Cole? It was just Jeff Passan that said it, I believe. Have we heard anyone who who receives a check from the New York Yankees? I have not heard Aaron Boone say anything about about him. So no one from the Yankees has said they're all in. I just know that apparently Cashman has heard the fans' support for getting Garrett Cole. Have we heard anybody who works for the Yankees say they're all in? Uh, no. Uh, who's his agent? That'd be friend of the program, Scott Boris. So who do you think Jeff Passan talked to? Boris or the Yankees? Boris. And what's Boris going to say? That the Yankees are all in. And where does Boris have a suite for every Major League Baseball game? That's actually a good question. I don't know. That would be the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Scott Boris has the suite right behind home plate. So if you're an A's fan, you know this. Because it's kind of annoying that he just stands there almost right behind where the right-handed hitter is, and you got to see him the entire game. He knows what he's doing. So when Jeff Passan calls, because Boris is like representing everybody who's a major free agent, a major player. So when Boris says, oh, yeah, they're all in on Cole. Wink, wink, Artie Moreno. You're going to have to spend a lot of money to get Garrett Cole. So I see this Yanks all in on Cole. I go, eh, I'll see it when I believe it. Maybe I've been brainwashed because I've been around Billy Bean for so long. And I joked last night at our event, and then even David Forrest joked back, I'd love to have some of these guys. But I mentioned, you know, if you're, if you're the Padres or you're the Phillies, 
you spent all this money on Machado. You spent all this money on Harper. Neither guy made the all-star team. Neither team made the playoffs. So I just wonder as an A's fan, we've complained all these years, oh, we don't retain our players. How many of them are, are guys you really would want to retained now that we can look back hindsight's 2020? I mean, who really is the guy that left the A's? You went, oh, my God, he's just killing it. Is there anybody you can think of? Cespedes didn't even play last year. Donaldson now is switching from team to team. He's still a good player, but I really have Matt Chapman long term. I mean, who is the guy that 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 left that, oh, my God, I can't believe we didn't keep him? The only guy that's been consistent, I would say, and he's been pretty consistent, is Doolittle. But, I mean, eh. bullpen guys, you can. Bullpen guys. But position player-wise. Well, I, he hasn't been a closer the whole time. No, he's been setting up, too. And uh, Jed Lowry hasn't really done much for them. Jed I'm, Lowry didn't even play yeah, last year. The Mets didn't even know what was wrong with him. He didn't play. Mark Mulder, Mark Mulder's career went downhill. Tim Hudson was decent. Tommy John surgery, he was yeah, but I mean, wasn't wasn't winning Cy Young awards. Barry Zito, you want to look at his numbers from San Francisco? Jason Giambi, friend of the program, love him, but steroids caught up to him and he had issues, health issues. No, Tejada, no, Chavez, no. <laughs> I mean, who left as an A where you went, oh, my God. I wanted his jersey forever. Johnny, Johnny Damon had a nice run after he left. He wasn't really an A. He was a rental. He was a half. He was a quick player. He was like Matt Holliday here for, here for a cup of coffee. I'd rather win. I, I Seriously, I'd rather win. You want Bryce Harper? Fine. They don't win. You don't have to have the $200 million guy to win. I'd rather be winning games, being the playoffs, 10 out of 20 years, than overpaying guys. I mean, think, and we're going to get into this. If you're an Angels fan, do you look back and go, wow, what a great contract we gave Albert Pujols? Would you rather go to the playoffs or be able to say you have Albert Pujols? Remember what a big deal that was, the press conference and everything? I mean, what, C.J. Wilson signed at the same time? Josh Hamilton, oh, what a big signing that was for the Angels. Money does not equate to winning. It helps. There's no question. It helps. Look how much the Dodgers have spent. They still haven't won a World Series since 1988. Look how much money the Yankees have spent. We have that article I sent you, Commander, about the decade. Yankees didn't win this decade. How much did they spend? Easily well over a billion dollars. They didn't win. 
And I think there's quite a few owners now that are realizing, hey, wait a minute. Why are the Rays in the postseason? Why are the A's in the postseason? They don't sign Machado. They don't sign Harper. They're not going to put $300 million or whatever it's going to be in Garrett Cole. Why would you? It's not smart. How good is your 40-man roster? Look at the Boston Red Sox. They want to get under the luxury tax. They've won four championships in 16 years, and they can't sign their best player? Well, they now have Hein Bloom. And Hein Bloom's looking at him going, guys, this one guy, as great as he may be, what are we going to win come from here on out? Now, you could say, hey, listen, Jack, you guys are worth $3 billion. You've got huge revenue. Sign the guy. Give him $350 million and sign the guy. But that's now not, not how Heim built the raise. I'm just wondering, are we at a point where the owners have had enough? They're still going to spend a lot of money. It's just... At what point are you just like paying a guy $300 million? Wow. Other sports protect themselves versus these type of contracts. Baseball doesn't. I wonder if we're if we're kind of tapped out from that. Like Garrett Cole's going to get a lot of money, but I'm not giving him $300 million. Strasburg, no, no. hopefully we'll see something down in San Diego at the winter meetings. But there always is enough is enough. Certain players are are worth more to certain teams for business reasons. And that's Mike Trout. We joke all the time. All you got to do is go to the Angels website and look at their giveaways. Every single giveaway is Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout hat night. It's Mike Trout beach towel night. It's Mike Trout barbecue set. It's Mike Trout this, Mike Trout. And then they might throw in like an Otani, and then it's back to Mike Trout. We're giving away Mike Trout whatever. Every single giveaway is Mike. It's hilarious. So that means more than like Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole only puts butts in the seats once every five days. What is he really worth? Now, what you're hoping he's worth is a guy that's pitching for you in the World Series and winning you in the World Series. That's why he may mean, where did Himbo say he he meant more? He may mean more to the Yankees because the Yankees are more built to win than the Angels. But the Angels are trying to have that appearance that they want to be big-time players. If, you, if you're not going to be an organization that is going to be spending big money on all these free agents, then you need a guy like Keith Lippman. He's the former director of player development for the athletics. Now he's a special advisor to the front office. This will be, I think, his 50th year with the Oakland Athletics. 50th year. He just won a major award a Lifetime Achievement Award. We're going to talk about it next with Keith 
one of the great baseball executives, right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You think of all the great players that the A's have had in Oakland. Keith Lippman has been a part of their life. And they all reference him. I mean, that's why, you know, you think of the great coaches, Ron Washington. A lot of great people have come through this organization to help all these players and to help guys become Hall of Famers and A's Hall of Famers and All-Stars and MVPs and, and Cy Young Award winners. And you talk about a baseball life, 50 years. And recently, Baseball America gave out the Tony Gwynn Award. It's a Lifetime Achievement Award for the greatest contributions to the game. And that's why I always talk about people in this game that beyond just managers who could be recognized as Hall of Famers. And we had Tony La Russa, the Hall of Famer, on talking about that. About Dave Duncan. You know, people put an extra wing on the Hall of Fame for people who have done such great things in the game. And we now have Keith. Keith, Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics, an absolute honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Uh, Life is good as we're about to uh, head to the winter meetings in San Diego, and hopefully we're going to have some wheeling and dealing down there in Southern California. Well, I know David and Billy are uh, much engaged with – looking for things they typically do this time of year. So it's always interesting to see what direction we end up going. Congratulations on the Tony Gwynn Award. What a special award given out by Baseball America for the contributions that you've had to this great game in the and the Oakland Athletics. What was it like for you to receive this award? Well, it was a pretty much a humbling, kind of a shocking phone call I got from Baseball America. I, I obviously didn't expect to receive anything like that. But in re- retrospect, it was really cool that uh, I've heard so much from people that have read the article and kind of know about it a little bit that reconnected me to a lot of people from my past that you know, I hadn't talked to in a long time and uh, kind of brought the, the years back together. A lot of people that, uh, you know, from when I started as a player or as a manager and, you know, through the time as a farm director. So, it's, after the fact, it's been even more enjoyable because I have been able to connect to a lot of people that are, you know, part of this journey, part of a, a, a really fun career. It has uh, been very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you think of a baseball life. You know, the NFL Network does a great job with a, with a show they call The Football Life. I wish baseball would do that because you would be perfect. I mean, you think of everything that you've done in our great game, and now that you're stepping down as the farm director and – you're still going to be with the franchise as a special advisor. Have you gotten any time this winter to sit back and just go, wow, I've been lucky to be in this great game this long? Yeah, you know, I, I started to, you know, after this was kind of gone on a, over a week or so, I, I just started to reflect a little bit. And it turns out it's just about the people. Uh, I mean, I love the game. It's nothing like it. Uh, to be able to see a baseball game every single day of the year, uh, most of the every year. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of baseball. You see something new every day, something unexpected. Um, just the surprise part of it, uh, the fundamental part of it, uh, seeing really good players throughout 50 years is uh, 
really an incredible experience. And then being able to be around uh, old-time baseball guys, it kind of taught me the ropes. Uh, I've I just had a life filled with uh, interesting characters and uh, a whole lot of fun opportunities. And I'm really grateful that I've, I've been able to experience all this. And you've been around so many great players with the A's, and you've been a part of their career, and a lot of these guys reference you when they talk about their career. How much fun is it when you look back at just some of the great names that have gone through this organization? Oh, there's there's so many. Uh, you know, just Jose Canseco, for instance. You know, I was a rookie manager in Idaho Falls just to see where – he went on his rise so quickly, or McGuire, uh, Giambi, Tejada. I mean, there's just so many that have, have come through. They're all so different. They're really talented in their own way, own personality. And uh, it's just learning to deal with all the different guys, trying to connect with them in a way that uh, they're able to get the most out of themselves with, uh, you know, a little push here and there from us, our staff. Uh, you know, it's just a very delicate business of, of trying to, deal in a very difficult game to play uh that's why i really respect the guys that are so good in the, in the business that are able to have long careers uh it's, it's really hard to play this game and it's uh very impressive when when you are around people that are able to do it yeah it, it's so funny in in modern day baseball where we are with all these analytics where we have all these numbers and and people you know, it's like they do forget. This is really a hard game to play. I don't care what kind of numbers you have. We're still dealing with human beings, and it's not easy to throw this ball, and it's not easy to hit this ball. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, sometimes you, you just try to figure out a way to help a guy get up after he fails because a lot of these guys have been the best in everything they've done their whole life, and all of a sudden they get into the minor leagues and they, they fail. Uh, Chapman didn't have a great start in the minor leagues and uh he learned to be very resilient and uh you know look what he's done as, as a major league player um each guy has their own system about how they deal with failure and uh they, they mental toughness i look at guys like Semyon, and i am so respectful of how hard he's worked and what a great job he's done with uh turning into you know an mvp candidate uh guys like that it's just fun to watch them improve because Simeon wasn't who he was a few years ago and uh, he's just become a fabulous asset to our organization and uh, great to watch guys like that that um, really improve and become great players. Have you ever seen anybody in this game make that kind of improvement from where he was leading the league in airs and it could have been way more airs if first basemans didn't help him out to where he is today? Have you ever seen that kind of growth before? Not at the major league level. I, I can't say that I've seen anybody that has really taken off like that and then had to suffer a lot of adversity. I mean, the press, uh, a lot of naysayers, a lot of people booing him at different times. Uh, he really stayed focused, uh, worked really hard. You know, I, I watch how he plays. Uh, I have a, a bunch of tapes I show uh, the players about how to play the game correctly. Uh, I show a couple of pop-ups where, he had day game, and you know, in the Coliseum, is really hard to determine. You know, if an infielder is going to catch the ball in the sun, so many factors, the wind, and he seems to be one guy that works very hard to, to run every ball out. So there's a couple where uh, he just runs it out. Second baseman just can't see it, and the next thing you know, he's either on second or third base. Uh, those are the kind of things that inspire me to show other players 
that it's effort, it's uh, dedication and focus, and uh, he, he exhibits all those attributes. You know, when I think about this business and dealing with human beings, I think a lot of people forget about that. That communication is really one of the number one skills for, for people that are, are trying to help these young men get to the big leagues. And then, of course, once they get to the big leagues, we know how good Bob Melvin is communicating with them. Talk about how communication is really the ultimate tool for someone like yourself dealing with the players. Well, it, it all starts with them having an understanding that it's their career, that we're there to assist them. You know, we, we right from the very beginning, that's our number one goal is to understand that that's where we're coming from. Then we try to establish some very simple goals that they can accomplish. And then as things go on, uh, it's that back and forth of them being good learners, you know, be willing to take some risks. And then, you know, offer suggestions. Uh, it's hard to force guys to, to do certain things. Uh, there are situations where we've got somebody that's a really good young pitcher that refuses to throw his change up, uh, and you know that he's going to need his third or fourth catch. Then, you know, we're a little more heavy-handed with trying to get them to understand that they're not going to be able to survive in the big leagues without that pitch. So then we start to have to, you know, twist their arm a little bit and say, listen, you're not going to be able to do this at that level. So then we institute a plan that they buy into, and then, you know, things go pretty smoothly. But they have to understand, you know, what our job is, and we have to understand how hard it is for them to make changes. Uh, it's really difficult at the big league level uh, where you're constantly scrutinized, and uh, there's always another guy that uh, is ready to take the job. So a lot of the work has to be done at the minor league level, and, uh, you know, the great coaches in the big leagues uh, fin- do the finishing part of it. When you have the title special advisor, so what are we going to be doing now as a special advisor? Well, you know, helping Ed Sprague make the transition as a farm director. He's already really good at what he does. Uh, you know, I'll just offer advice to him uh, as far as, the, you know, in the system. Uh, I'll help, you know, in various areas of perspective, just trying to be involved. Uh, I have some interest in uh, staff development. That's something that we've done all through my career as a farm director, uh, you know, trying to improve their ability to be better leaders, better coaches, uh, better communicators. So that's kind of my specialty that I, I like to deal with. So I think I'll do a lot of that. And then uh, wherever Billy David would like to have me, I'm uh, more than happy to, to help out. But uh, I'm very fortunate that they've allowed me to do this, uh, you know, at this stage of my career. You know, one thing that I was always so impressed that you implemented in the minor leagues was that people need time off. It's tough when you work every single day and you're riding these buses and it's not the best travel and you're not you're not on the charter like the big league club. And you want to make sure that coaches down in the minor league system got some time off during the season. When did you first realize that, you know what, I, I got to help recharge these guys' batteries because you're seeing them getting worn down. You know, I actually lived that, having been a manager for nine or ten years, and then, you know, never getting to go home. And then toward the career, I, in my career as a manager, you know, I had twins, uh, life changed with kids, and then all of a sudden you realize that, you know, you, can, you have a life along with baseball. Baseball can consume you. Uh, there's so much involved with uh, guys wanting to be good at what they do and it, it has the ability to suck you into being there 24 7 because it's you know there's so much to do uh but i i recognized that a long time ago that uh this 
having the, the ability to step away to go home for a graduation, uh, to go home just to be with your family for a week. Uh, we, we found ways to make that happen for the guys and, and they come back and uh, they're very appreciative. I think they really enjoy the time away and we have really good people that can supplant them while they're gone. You know, we'll send an instructor in or one of our roving guys and uh, they don't miss a beat because, you know, we're, we're well connected within our system. And, uh, you know, the only trouble is if somebody goes in and they lose four or five in a row, then, you know, it doesn't look good, but uh, I think they still appreciate the time off. Yeah, no doubt about it. And now you're going to have a little extra time off now. So what are you going to be doing with this extra time? Well, at the moment, I'm back in Boston uh, with my grandkids here. Uh, I have an opportunity that I haven't had a whole lot of chance to do recently, and that's uh, spend more time with family. So uh, that's more my style. But, I, you know, I'll go uh, to spring training. I'll, I'll be part of uh, Major League Camp, do everything that I normally do. Uh, it's just that Ed will have all the 24-7 duties, uh, the 11, 30, 12 o'clock phone calls where the big league club went into extra innings and uh, they need two more pitchers for tomorrow and uh, all the logistics that go on with things that happen at that stage. It's a pretty hectic world sometimes uh, when you're moving players. Well, I got to tell you, the Tony Gwynn Award is something that's very, very special, well-earned. You're one of the great guys ever in the history of this game. Your career is unbelievable. We've always appreciated you coming on the show. Congratulations. Enjoy the holidays. Have a great Christmas. And enjoy those grandkids. Hey, thank you. Appreciate being on the show. Take Take care. Take care, Keith. Keith Lippman. That's a big deal. Baseball America for the greatest contributions to the game. 50 years. 50 that's why I think this wing, you know, we have the Ford C. Frick Award. What's the writer's wing? There's a writer's wing in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, why don't we make this wing for baseball people? You know, it doesn't have to be a GM. It doesn't have to be a manager. It can be a pitching coach. What do you got? It's the J.G. Taylor Spink Award is for the Of writers. course, the J.G. Taylor Spink Award. And then obviously the How fourth. did I not know that? Yeah, uh, I believe last year it was legendary ESPN, former ESPN writer Jason Stark who went in. Yes, that's right. So Stark's now a Hall of Famer, so good for him. Uh, Gammons is in there. There's a lot of guys. Who was the Ford C. Frick Award winner last year for broadcasting? Uh, let's pull it up. Ken- what, a couple years ago it was, it was Bill King. Correct. Ken Korak went into the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame last year. I mean, it's a who's who, by the way. If if you're if you're you get into this thing, Al Helfler. Yeah, Helfer. Last Al. last year's Bob. Twenty eighteen was Bob Costas. Wow, oh, it's Bob Costas. And then Bill King. Uh, Twenty fifteen, Dick Enberg. Yeah. Eric Nadell, friend of the program, Rangers radio voice, went in in twenty fourteen. Friend of the program. Let's see who else? Well, Tom Cheek. Tim McCarver, friend, friend of, the, of the, program. the program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Van Horn, who I believe calls Marlins games. John Miller, 2010. Friend of the program. Uh, well, maybe the old program. The uh, old, Well, friend of the old program. Hasn't been on the new. We'll get John on. John's yep. great. John, yep. I, I got to tell you, John Miller is truly one of the nicest, genuine guys and helped Ken Korak a lot in his career. And I'll never forget the w- – when did John go in? Uh, 2010. God, we're getting old. I remember in 2010 – when John Miller was going in, 
that day, Ken Korak came to me and said, can I be, it's always funny, Ken will say to me, can I be on the pregame show? <laughs> no, Ken, you can't be on the pregame. Because he wanted to say some words about John Miller and how John Miller helped him. God, that was 2010? Back in 2003, Bob Euchre went in. Cra- crazy that Marty Brenneman went in before Bob Euchre. But, I mean, those two guys are legends. Marty Brenneman now done. Bob Euchre at 86 years old, still calling Brewers games. Does he only do home games? I yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he really. Tra- I mean, may- maybe he travels to like I mean, Chicago. If you're, a- but if you're 86 years old, you don't want to be traveling around. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like it gets to a point to where, and I mean, we'll get to this point at some point with like Ken Korak and and John Miller. They're not going to be traveling to the East Coast. They'll do like 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 Scully, Scully for years. He'll do home games. He'll go to San Diego. He'll go to San Francisco. I don't even know if he went to Arizona. Well, it's like uh, on TV for the Giants, Kruko doesn't do a lot of uh, – doesn't travel for some – That's a that's a health deal. Yeah. Well, there's some if, guys – If, 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 if Kruko's health was good, he would be full-time. But, yeah, you do see a lot of broadcasters. Sometimes they don't make the trip. But I, eventually that will probably be the case. I mean, not anytime soon with Ken and John. I'll never forget the story one of my friends told me. The great Derek Poppa told me. He met John Miller, and John Miller said to him, Hello, Derek. I'm John Miller. And then and out, a couple hours later, he met him again. He saw him again. He goes, Mr. Miller, thanks for all the help today. He goes, hello, Derek. I'm John Miller. <laughs> John's great. Because he, I mean, essentially, John was the voice of baseball for 20 years. You know, when you do Sunday night baseball, he was the Orioles guy. And, you know. You do the World Series on ESPN. I mean, John Miller was the voice of baseball for twenty years. I used to I used to listen to the games on ESPN radio when, like back when I lived in on the East Coast when in like the, that Red Sox Yankees and they came back down three hours. I listened to all those games on the radio because I wanted to hear John. And like that's I mean back then like, I listened to the games on the radio. Nothing against Joe Buck or anything. I just I preferred listening to to John Miller on the radio back then. And now you know we have him here in the Bay Area. So, well, we're gonna be in San Diego. We're gonna be doing the show on Monday. We're going to be doing the show on Tuesday, and we're going to be doing the show on Wednesday. And, boy, there's just a lot of rumors floating around. And one that I I forgot this was still ongoing. And, boy, you know, I'm always pro player. I absolutely hate this whole, and this, this, this whole deal of holding guys back because of their free agent clock. Like, in no other sport do you see this. Like, seriously. Do you think if the Chicago Bulls drafted Michael Jordan, that Michael Jordan, they would hold him back, like in the, in the what are they calling it? Is it the, still the D League, whatever the hell they call it? The G League, D League, whatever. You think they're going to put Jordan in the G League for a couple weeks so it affects his, when he can be a free agent? You're not going to put Michael Jordan right out on the floor? Now, that sounds like dumb. I think about that. You're going to draft Peyton Manning, even though there's not a minor league system, but you're going to draft Peyton Manning as your quarterback, and he's not going to start. He's not even going to be there. You're going you're gonna to have them in your minor league system up in, I don't know, wherever the hell it would be. NFL Europe. NFL Europe. 
Yeah, he's going to play for the Germany, the Belgrade, or the – I can't remember the name of those teams. Yeah, Peyton Manning's going over to Europe to play for eight games because you want to affect his free agency. You draft Barry Sanders out of Oklahoma State. Barry's not playing for it. He's going to NFL Europe. Now, if I say that to you, you go, Townsend, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders has rushed for a thousand over 1,000 yards. He's the first Raiders rookie running back to do it. But if it was baseball, they would have had him over some, in NFL Europe, even though NFL Europe doesn't exist. But he'd be over in NFL Europe right now. He wouldn't have played because you know I'm effective as free agency. The AAF. I mean, that's how he's playing in the Arena League. That's how, like, when you mention stuff like that, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson don't start their careers right away for the Celtics and the Lakers if it was baseball. It's preposterous. And I'm reading this article today by Jeff Passan as we're getting ready for the winter meetings. The Cubs, for some reason, they like want to punt on a bunch of their guys. Like, ah, man, we only won one World Series, and we got to switch it up. So it says the Cubs have been, according to various executives, aggressive, manic, motivated, and obvious. Those are the four words used here. In their desire to trade someone or someones, the Cubs are going to make a move. They're just not sure what yet. And then it goes down to Chris Bryant. And I honestly forgot this was still going on. Chris Bryant could be traded, but it could be very costly because there's a risk. They haven't settled his case yet. I, I, it's like, this has been years. Remember, they held Chris Bryant back so they could mess with his free agency. It really made him angry. And so he challenged it, his service time. And an arbiter could rule in his favor that the Cubs manipulated his service time and award him an extra day of service, giving him free agency after this season, a la Mookie Betts. I forgot that hadn't been decided yet. This has been something that's been going on for years. So if you want Chris Bryant, former MVP, he's had some health issues lately, but still a great player. If you trade him, I don't know when this case is going to be heard. I don't know if it's this spring. I don't know if it's during the season. I don't know. It doesn't go on to say. I was shocked that it's still going on. But Chris Bryant, could be a free agent after this year if you trade for him. I'd take him in a second. You know the thing about trading trading a guy? Trading for someone like this? Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant, could be a free agent. Is you get it, you get the ultimate audition. If you're a club that knows I'm gonna pay this guy big money. And you're not afraid of it. Like Chris Bryant's from Vegas. He, Harper, was a Gallo. They all grew up together. 
obviously these guys have the desire to get closer to home. Well, that's what we thought with Harper. Harper was just about the money and years. I've always wanted to be a Philly. Shut up. But Chris, but Chris Bryant, like you know, there's been talk about Rendon, uh, Rendon to 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 L.A. Well, what about Chris Bryant? Dodgers got the cash. Bring him in. Woo him. So that when it's time to be a free agent, he goes. I like Dodger Blue. I want to be here. It's actually something that the Giants were pretty good at, and they did with Hunter Pence. They brought in Hunter Pence. Pence was going to be a free agent. Realized he loved playing in San Francisco. Deal was done. It actually is a smart move. Question, and I don't know the answer to this. Commander, you may. If I trade for a guy in season... I cannot put the qualifying offer on him. But if I trade for him in the offseason, can I put the qualifying offer on him? I don't know the answer. Let me look it up and see if I can find that, see if they have it in there. Because that's that, that's always the thing about the qualifying offer with a guy. You're going to be like, well, you know, if we lose him, we get a draft pick. Because that's, that's the thing with Mookie Betts. If they hold on to Mookie, Give him the qualifying offer. He signs somewhere else. They'll get a draft pick around 80th. But if you trade for a guy in season, you can't put the qualifying offer on him. And that was my whole thing about Madison Bumgarner. It's like, oh, you love Mad Bum so much, huh? Well, if you really loved him, you would have done him a favor and you would have traded him in season because you weren't winning anything. And you, you would have took that qualifying offer off of him and would have made him easier to sign as a free agent. I mean, what would Madison Bumgarner's market be like right now if there was no qualifying offer on him? I mean, obviously, he's one of those pitchers that with Zach Wheeler gone and with Strasburg and Cole wanting north of $200 million, Hell, Madison Bumgarner's a deal right now. I mean, if you could get him for X amount of years for under $100 million, when you're going to have to, for Garrett Cole, spend close to $300 million? By what I've seen, it says right here on MLB.com for qualifying offer. That player spent the entire season on the team's roster. And as parentheses, in-season acquisitions are ineligible. So it sounds like if they're on the roster for the entire year, They'd be eligible for the qualifying offer. That's why the A's should take Mookie Betts. Hemba Flo to the first. Hemba, Paul Hembakidis from ESPN said it right here. I like Mookie Betts to the A's. Can you imagine that? And then Mookie either helps you get to the World Series or you wave goodbye and you get a draft pick for him. The argument begins, who's the best outfielder in the AL West, Mike Trout or Mookie Betts? Oh, we got your Trout. We got Mookie. Everything's everything's gonna be Mookie. What's the, Mookie? Where's number what? Is he fifty? Well, I have no idea. But every giveaway at the Coliseum <laughs> should be around Mookie Betts. Everything sh- should be fifty. Well, you got Chapman and Olson and Simeon. True, but if we're if they, just copy everything that they're doing with the and Anaheim parking fifty percent off tickets fifty percent off. 
cons- well, concessions be 50% off, but if you have A's access, it's 50% off. Do a special A's access around Mookie Betts? I mean, who says no? Coming up next, he's on the modern-day baseball Hall of Fame ballot. How this guy is not in the Hall of Fame is ridiculous. The great Tommy John will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back. Gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. He started his career in 1963 with the Indians and ended his career in 1989 with the New York Yankees. A four-time All-Star. A fireballer. But then all of a sudden, his career changed. Where he hurt his elbow. And then he had the procedure that we now call Tommy John. He was the guy that had the surgery and made it happen. And not only did he have the surgery, but he continued with success. And it's why the surgery is still used today. He won 288 games. Don't forget, played for the A's in 1985. Just a phenomenal career. Remember, 1963 to 1989, pretty amazing. I think he for sure should be in the Hall of Fame, and let's hope we're finally going to get him in. The great Tommy John joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Tommy, thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on this. Uh, you know, they're doing the voting today. I don't know when it's going to be, but hopefully uh, at least 12 of the 16 will see to it that uh, Tommy John's in the Hall of Fame. You know, I think about a, a baseball life and I think about your life and, and I think about what you were as a pitcher before the surgery and after the surgery and how you changed the game of baseball, and you changed the game forever. And because, Tommy, you can have the surgery, but if it didn't work, what does it matter? You had the surgery, it worked, and it's changed so many people's careers and lives. Well, that's the thing that I asked Dr. Job. I said, uh, what are we going to do? And he said, well, there's one thing. Uh, it, it's, it's never been done before. On a pitcher, he said, I've done a lot of these on polio patients in their knees and ankles, uh, tendon transplant. And he said, that's about all that we can do. And, uh, and I said, well, if it doesn't work, I'm in the same spot I am now. I can't pitch. So let's do it. And let's, let's have it done. And I believed in Dr. Job so much that um, uh, if he would have told me to take my German Shepherd's poop and bury it back of second base at Dodger Stadium, I would have done it and because I would have felt that he knew what was best for me. 
when did you know after the surgery that, you know what, this is going to work? Because the surgery was, what, 1974? You pitched all the way to 1989. I did. And, you know, the thing about it, I'll answer your question after I make the statement here. After I, um, when I came back in the 13 years I pitched, 76 was the first year back to 89. I never missed a start. And I pitched three days rest, four days rest, and I pitched out of the bullpen. In fact, the 81 World Series and game four or game five, game four, I guess it was, I I pitched out of the bullpen at Dodger Stadium and got two out and pitched two and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen. You know, now, my God, they won't let guys go to the bathroom uh, three times in a, uh, in a ball game. You know, they got to have the doctor checking them out. But I, I pitched out of the bullpen. In fact, one game in um, St. Louis, I was warming up on a Saturday night to come in the ball game because we had gone through all of our pitchers, and I am starting the next day against the Cardinals in St. Louis. And uh, fortunately, they didn't use me or need me, but I would have done it. I would have come back and pitched. And uh, people said, geez, aren't you got- I'm coughing. I-, I don't want you guys to think I'm Hillary Clinton. But... Um, <laughs> um, my job was to pitch and I kept my arm in shape that I could pitch uh, short, long, whatever. And uh, that's the way we did it back then. Now, you know, Oh, you got to have a strength coach. You got to have a mental coach. You've got to have a therapist. You've got to have a shock doctor. You've got to have all this stuff. And, uh, what's his war? What's his this? What's his that? I, I don't care what that stuff is, and I don't care how hard a pitcher throws. The main thing, and this is where we've gotten away from baseball, the jarheads that are in there running the game now, how hard does he throw? How hard does he throw? How hard does he throw? My thing is, do you win ball games? And that's what it's all about. Do you win ball games? If you win ball games, you can pitch. If you can't win, that's why 288 wins. I I don't think there'll be anybody in the future of baseball that'll get anywhere close to that. I think CC Sabathia is the uh, when he shut it down this year. I don't know how many he had, but um, he's probably the closest. And uh, it's just not done anymore. Guys don't pitch. How many people come up to you who have had the surgery and they just say, thank you for what you did? You want the truth? Yes. None. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had guys in the, in, in the minor leagues show me their scar and say, yeah, I had it done. Nobody's ever come up. Now, this is the way my mind works. If I was having the surgery done today, 
I would have my agent or I would have somebody I know call people that have had Tommy John surgery and they have been successful in coming back from it because I want to know what to expect so I can uh, plan my route um, on how I want to train, what I want to do. Nobody's ever called me and said, Tommy, what can I expect? What should I do? Well, what do you think of this and that? Um, I, I take that back. Uh, Johnny Oates had a picture of his when he was managing at Baltimore, and I can't think of the kid's name now, called me up and said, oh, Mr. John, I'm uh, Johnny Oates told me to call you. And we had a little talk. And the thing that Dr. Job told me and I told the kid, and he said, but why, how do I do it? Dr. Job said, listen to your body. Your body will tell you what your arm needs. You can't have Dr. Andrews, uh, who's never pitched a baseball game in his life, say, well, this is what you want to do, or Dr. Job even. Job just said, listen to your body, and your body will tell you. He said, if, you, if you're out there and you're working out and your arm doesn't feel good that day, don't throw. If your arm feels good, throw more. And... Uh, <clears throat> and and that's the thing that that um, um, I, I I think that everybody now wants this. Okay, day one you throw twenty three pitches, uh, and then you go to the bathroom. You tinkle uh, after twenty three. Okay, uh, tomorrow it's twenty four. I mean, it's they want this guide of what to do. I, I don't know. You just throw, and I threw till I got tired, till my arm got tired. And, and I felt it. And I was never a believer of doing a lot of throwing until I had the surgery. And coming back, I threw a baseball every day, except Sunday. And my reasoning on that was biblical. If God rested on Sunday, so should Tommy John. And I didn't throw on Sunday. So Six days out of seven, I threw a baseball off the mound. I didn't throw 500 feet. I didn't throw long toss. I didn't throw short toss. I threw off the mound to a catcher six days a week. And that's how people, God, you can hit that, that low and away corner, that part of the strike zone. Wow. How do you do it? How do I do it? You practice. How do you become a good golfer? You practice. How do you become a good pitcher? You practice. And that's what I did. I practiced. You had one of the great lines of all time in 1986 when Mark McGuire got two hits off you. His father, I guess, was your dentist, and you said, when your dentist kid starts hitting you, it's time to retire. Now, obviously, you didn't retire, but that was a great line. Well, I thought it was a good line, and um, uh, I know Mark hit two home runs off of me in the ball game, and I went to the ballpark, and my daughter had, I had disciplined her or said something catty to her or whatever, and she is the type of person, she's a lot like Billy Bean, I guess, 
as I was going out the door, she said, I hope Mark McGuire hits home runs off you. <laughs> and I go, ah, yeah, 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 you little. And I go at the ballpark, and the first two times up, Mark goes right field, home run. Next time up, right field, home run. Mark McGuire doesn't hit the ball to right field. So the third time up, he had a guy on uh, first base. And I threw the same pitch that I threw the first two times. And instead of going to right field, he tried to pull it. And it was 6-4-3. And as he comes back across the mound, I kind of walk with him a little bit, and I said, I outdumbed you. And I, I ended up winning the game. That was the only two runs Oakland scored off of me were his two home runs. And um, so I'm on my way to the car, and he gets off the team bus, and he said, what you say to me as I was walking across the mound or running across the mound? And I said, I outdumbed you. You thought because you hit two home runs, I was going to change the way I pitch. Mark, I'm not going to change. I can throw low and away more time than you've got balls to hit the ball to right field. Oh, about 10 days later, we're playing Oakland up in Oakland. And the first time up the bat, I go low and away, ball one blowing away ball two and then I throw a fastball up and in and it jams him and he pops the ball up and as it comes back across the mound to go to the dugout I walk with him again and I said not every time am I going to throw the ball low and away and uh, but uh, now nah, Mark's dad was uh, he was a good man a great dentist and he's probably got about $45,000 worth of gold in my mouth right now. <laughs> the great Tommy John with us here. In the end, what will it mean to you? I, I, I've said it for years. I, I, it's a travesty you're not in the Hall of Fame, but I do think you're going to get in. What will it mean to you when, when you do get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Well, when, when I started, my, my mom and dad signed me up for City Rec Baseball. Not Little League, not any of this stuff, City Rec Baseball. <clears throat> and um, oh, there goes that Hillary cough again. Gee whiz. Um, everybody has, the, the, you know, I'll play and I'll become an all-star and I'll make it to the Hall of Fame. It just means that your journey in baseball has reached the pinnacle because you've, you've reached the highest part of the mountain that you can reach in baseball, and that's the Hall of Fame. Um, one, I think I should be in uh, because of 26 years, because of 700 starts, because of 288 wins. And I, I heard or saw something, and, you know, you can't believe a lot of things you read on Facebook anymore uh, for obvious reasons, but I thought – that I have the most no decisions of anybody uh, with what I have, whatever the thing was. And, you, you know, it's just, uh, I thought it was 188, but I could be wrong. And um, uh, it, it's just, you know, to pitch 26 years, you got to do a lot of stuff. You got to take care of yourself. You, you got to, maybe pitch differently every once in a while. But um, I think what I've done over the course, my baseball-wise, 
I should be in the Hall of Fame. I think what Dr. Job and I did um, medically, we definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. And that added to it. But, you know, I, I don't know. I had somebody send a thing out, well, your war isn't what it should be, and it should be. I won 288 ball games, people. And you had 188, we checked it, 188 no decisions. Okay, now, thank you. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> but um, let me ask you this. This is something to talk about now. Of those 188 no decisions, how many of those uh, was I was leading when they took me out after five innings and our bullpen didn't hold the lead? Oh, I would I would bet a lot. I would bet probably two thirds, at least two thirds. So if you had a good, I know the one year with um, with the Angels, I pitched pretty daggone good, but we had the worst bullpen. We had I forget the name of the um, Venezuelan pitcher uh, Sanchez. I think his name was. He'd come in, and if you had your guys on base, they'd, they'd be in. I mean, boom, they're in the game. If his guys were on base, they wouldn't be in. And we just had a horrible, horrible, horrible bullpen. And um, um, it was 82 is when uh, uh, my first year over in 83 when Gene the Genius Mock uh, was managing the team. And um, uh but, you know, what it is, is is I had a pretty daggone good career. I had a long career. I won 288 games, 188 no decisions. So there's your 300 wins right there. So did they give you a time frame when, when they're going to notify whether this is happening or not? Well, uh, they're going to do the vote today. And... Um, uh, so I'll probably, uh, if I get in, I'll get the call probably sometime later today or early tonight. And then uh, we've got to drive down to San Diego for uh, for Sunday the 8th, and you'll be introduced on MLB when they announce the Hall of Fame um, entrance. But, um, I, you know... So for me, living in Palm Springs, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive down the way. Plus, uh, my son lives down there, and I'll get a chance to see Kurt Pavakwa and listen to all of his BS. <laughs> well, we're going to be at the winter meetings on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I hope you get <laughs> in, and hopefully we'll be able to shake your hand and say congratulations. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll let you buy me a hot chocolate. How's that? I'll buy <laughs> I'll buy you. I'll buy you any kind of cocktail you want if you get into the baseball no, hall no, of fame. No, 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 Tommy. Uh, this is a, this is one of the other reasons I was never really big into um, you know diets and all that stuff. But I was never a drinker of uh, of alcohol, um, and I think that's one of the things that kept me around as long as I was. I I one and done. Now we we go out and. They know I'm going to have one beer and I'm done. 
So I'm the designated driver home, and they have people that are with me, my girlfriend and everybody. They can drink whatever they want to drink, and I'll get them home. Tommy, good luck to you today. <laughs> we truly appreciate it. It was an honor to have you on the program. Well, you know, two Oakland A's uh, hold the key here, too. Sandy Alderson and Walt Jockety, they're on the committee voting, so, you know, I don't know. Well, hopefully they'll bring it home for you. They better. <laughs> Sandy Alderson, who was um, – I, I enjoyed Sandy and his logic in baseball. Um, you know, he had no idea about baseball. He didn't have a clue. Uh, he was an attorney, and his best friend was um, an attorney who was the son-in-law of Walter Haas. And they needed somebody to run the A's after, after the Haas family bought him. And he says, oh, Sandy. Sandy was in Vietnam as a lieutenant in a rifle company. And he should thank God that God protected him. Because usually those lieutenants in a rifle company, they're the first guy shot when they get, uh, you know, hit in the, uh, in the wild. But anyway, I had fun up at Oakland. And... Um, Sandy was a good general manager, and uh, I, I just hope that I can thank him uh, for getting me in the Hall of Fame. Great stuff, Sandy. Hopefully we'll see you. In, oh, great stuff, Tommy. Hopefully we'll see you down in San Diego. I hope so. I look forward to it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. The great Tommy John. That was awesome. Little S bomb in there. Don't worry, we're we're streaming. We're good. That's the best part. Is like usually people be panicking. Panicking. You and I just looked at each other. It's like, oh, eh, all right, no big deal. Uh, that was that was really good. He told some good stories. Like, by the I, way, the Hillary thing is, Hillary was on with Howard Stern. Well, no, there's that, but there's also something that happened back a couple of years ago at one of the during the 2016 election. Well, this just happened recently. She was on oh. Howard. She was she was just on Howard Stern, and she was. You know, like today when I started out the show, I had problems. I had a little tickle in the back of my throat. It happens, especially you have, I've have been battling a little cold since uh, being on the wet field in Kansas City for four hours, freezing my butt off. Oh, you're not going to blame it on the weather here because it's been raining? I've pretty much been inside the whole time. No, I, I felt it on the plane coming back from Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, that's 188 no decisions. That is unbelievable. That just goes to show how lame the people were voting back in the day for the Baseball Hall of Fame. He won 288 games. If he got to 300, he's automatic. Well, he had 188 no decisions. A couple more non-no decisions and wins, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. The vote that the people who've been voting for the baseball hall of fame for a long time are lame. Well, the guys on the ballot that are voting today, he mentioned Sandy, Walt Jockety, I believe X on there also. So there's another Oakland A. Did former. you did you know they were voting today? I know they're voting today. I did not know that either. I just know that I they named the, the sixteen guys in the last week. And I remember seeing Walt I remember seeing the three guys and a and a few others um that were on there and it was Do we have the list of who who's on it? Like the voters or the people going in? People going in. Well, I know like the guys that are on there. Some guys know off the top of my head are uh, Thurman Munson, Del Murphy, Steve Garvey, Tommy John, Don Mattingly. So that's five right there. 
Modern um, era ballot 20. Would it be 2020? Yeah, it'd be 2020. Um, All right. I'm going to have it for you right here. Dwight Evans. Dewey. The Garve, friend of the program. Tommy John, friend of the program. Don Mattingly, Marvin Miller, Thurman Munson, Dale Murphy, friend of the program. Dave Parker, Ted Simmons, and Lou Whitaker. I mean, you can make a case for every single guy. Marvin Miller, for God's sakes, free agency. Where would free agency be without Marvin Miller? The Cobra, Dave Parker, former A, was a great player. Can you can Alan Trammell really be in the Hall of Fame without Lou Whitaker? The best double play combination in the history of the game. Dwight Evans was terrific with the Red Sox. I'd like to see Dale Murphy and Tommy John go in. Two friends of the program. <clears throat> Garve can go in next year. I, I'm going Dale Murphy. And 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 you, you know the one guy that you 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 look at. And you go, was he ever the best player in the game? Well, Dale Murphy was the best player in the game. He's a two-time MVP. Dave Parker at one time was the best player. Don Mattingly, if he doesn't hurt his back, is easily going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Don Mattingly, at a time in the 80s, was the best player in the game. His numbers were monstrous. I wonder when we're going to find out. Do, 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 do. Candidates have got to receive. So that's later on. So if they're going to be brought to San Diego by Sunday, he said, they got to find out today. You know, because Dale Murphy lives in Colorado. I don't know where these other guys live. We may find out. What, what, we got an hour and a half left of the show? We may find out today which of the modern era guys are going to be going into the Hall of Fame. According to Fangraphs right here, the voting results will be announced the Sunday evening on MLB Tonight at 8 a.m. Pacific, or 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So we have to wait till Sunday to see if the results come out. I'm sure they someone will probably leak it tonight on Twitter because that's what the beauty of Twitter is. Well, but, they got to tell these guys to get it. He said they said they'll have to be in San Diego on yeah, Sunday. So they'll probably yeah the guys will probably know tonight or tomorrow morning. I'm trying to see if there's any. Uh, I'm trying to see who's voting. Like if we can find the guys who are voting on it. Someone posted it. I'm trying to find it. The 16 people voting on the 10 guys that can go in. Coming up next, are the Mets about to become the new power in Major League Baseball? Sarah Langs from MLB.com will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, we tell you all the time, she's one of the best follows on Twitter. She loves some baseball. At S Langs on Sports. And you can read her on MLB.com. She will not be heading to the winter meetings. She'll be staying in New York City. Big Mets fan. And if you haven't heard, Steve Cohen is a billionaire hedge fund manager. 
So he is going to buy the majority of the Mets. Fred and Jeff Wilpon, who have just been, they're a train wreck. And obviously they're in that Ponzi scheme and they lost a ton of money. Now they're still going to be around for like, I think, five years. But there's a belief that with Cohen's money that the Mets are going to become a power and they're going to spend. It's going to be like when the when the group first came in with the Dodgers. Do we have Sarah? Sarah, how are you? It's been a while since we've had you on the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm great, except for the fact that we don't have baseball games going on, which is never great for me. But we how do, are you? We do have the winter meetings coming up in San Diego, and hopefully we're going to have some, uh, some news for you to write about on MLB.com. Yes, hopefully, hopefully there's been, you know, some stuff going on. It's been really exciting that we've already had some moves happening. You know, we had Yasmani Grandal. We had a trade last night. We've we've had some movement already, free agent front and other sort of transactions, even before the winter meetings, which is, you know, a lot of fun, especially compared to what we saw the last two years. What did you think of the Zach Wheeler deal? Did you like it? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because it's been really fascinating to see his stock rise over especially these last two years you know being in New York seeing him pitch a whole lot and you know having grown up a Mets fan and remembering when he was that big prospect that the Mets got in the deal from the Giants for Carlos Beltran and you know kind of tracking all of that and the thing with him is that you are paying a lot for potential you know and I actually I was looking into this and I wrote an article it's on uh, up on MLB.com right now about so he has 749 and a third career innings at the major league level. That's the fewest innings for any pitcher who got a free agent contract of $100 million. We're excluding Masahiro Tanaka because he had zero major league innings when he signed with the Yankees, but he had a lot of innings um, pitched in Japan as a professional. So it's a very different scenario. But, you know, it just shows that the Phillies don't know exactly what there is to get. But the last two years, he's been a really good pitcher, a solid you know, probably number two, type three guy. He can be an ace at times, and he certainly makes them a lot better. It's a lot of money, and I'm with you. It's a gamble, and there's upside there, but you start looking at the money that Strasburg and Cole potentially should get, so maybe it'll end up being a great deal for the fight and fills. Back in your neck of the woods, New York, what's it like Knowing that, because I, I know a lot of Mets fans have not been happy with the Wilpons for years. I have no idea who Steve Cohen is. I just know he's a really rich guy, and he's going to buy into the franchise, and the Wilpons will still have authority for it looks like another five years. But what has it been like for Mets fans in New York knowing that the Wilpons at some point will be out? Yeah, you know, I, I know a lot of Mets fans. I follow a lot of Mets fans on Twitter. I work with a lot of Mets fans, and people definitely seem excited at the prospect of this kind of change. Um, you know, it's really hard to know exactly what goes on in those kinds of conversations where teams make a decision to be more frugal or choose to spend a lot of money or whatever else. So I'm always hesitant to put too much stock into those ongoing narratives just because we don't actually know. But we do know that the Mets have not exactly spent, you know, too much money in free agency or committed a lot of money in free agency over this last pretty long time. And that, you know, it sounds like there would be a lot more money available with Steve Cohen. He, I read that he grew up a Mets fan in Great Neck, which is, you know, definitely the type of person you would want running the Mets. And 
Uh, I read something from uh, Tim Burton of The Athletic that uh, Steve Cohen once spent, uh, I forget what the number is, but it's more money than the Mets have ever committed in any contract ever on some artwork called like The Pointing Man. So it sounds like this is what the fans at least have been hoping for. And again, you never know exactly what goes on behind closed doors, but it seems like a positive thing for the Mets at least moving back towards you know, competing a little bit more with the Yankees in free agency, which I think has been something that's been missing for a while where Mets fans look at it and are like, hey, we're in New York too. So hopefully it will be good for everybody. The five years is interesting. Um, I'm interested to see how that all plays out because I know that that was the initial report. I don't know anything, but I would be curious to see if that's what we ultimately find out only because it seems like a lot of commitment to then wait five years to be able to take control, you know? Yeah, it kind of sounds like the Wilpons just still want to have their name involved, and by within yeah. five years, you look at their age, then they'll be ready to get out. But, yeah, if I'm the guy coming in and spending all that money, I got to think that uh, the people running the day-to-day operations from a standpoint of business and a standpoint of baseball ops have to be reporting to this Cone guy instead of the Wilpons. Yeah. The Wilpons still want to have their name on it, but I got to think you spend that much money, you're not waiting five years before you finally exactly. take charge, right? Exactly. I, that's why. That's why you know, it, it's it's funny because it's these we don't get as much you know reporting on these kinds of things as transactions and players and trades and all of that. So it's just something where even when I read the initial report or the second report, I'm still sort of waiting for more because I know that nobody knows exactly everything that's going on. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. He already owns a stake. He just owns like 4% or something. So it would be increasing his stake. So I'm sure that that makes the, I would guess that that makes the actual sale easier since he's like already on the book somewhere. But I don't know enough about how all that works. But it's interesting. I, I would say that, especially some of the Mets fans I know, that has been the biggest thing that people have been saying is that they do want to see the team sold. So at the very least, I'm glad for those people that they're going to at some point see what they want happening in that respect. Yeah, I laugh when I see the articles when people say, oh, the Yankees are all in. And I go, oh, really? Um, Who worked for the Yankees (laughs) and said that? Because uh, Jeff Passan, we know, is a great writer, but – I got a feeling that's coming from Scott Boris saying the Yankees are all in because you haven't heard anybody work with the Yankees saying they're all in. And what they're trying to do is drive the market, and they're trying to drive the market in Scott's backyard in Southern California with the Angels and Artie Moreno. So you get a writer out there saying that the Mets are all in, then you can turn to Artie and say, hey, Arnie, uh, Artie, you really want to bring him here? It's going to cost you a lot of money. Have you heard anybody inside the Yankees organization say they're all in? I, I see the same reports you do, so I, I don't believe that I've seen anything uh, along those lines yet, but it's interesting. You know, the thing that I keep comparing this to, and he's a, on a different level as a pitcher, but Patrick Corbin last year, when Patrick Corbin was pitching for the Diamondbacks last year and when free agency began, all we heard how he, was how he was 100% going to the Yankees. He grew up in upstate New York. He is a huge Yankees fan growing up. He got married in New York. There is no way that he is going to do anything else other than sign with the Yankees. And what did he do? He was on the Nationals and he just won the World Series. So I'm 
that made me incredibly skeptical of the, hey, he wants to go home narratives. I know that they're very important for these guys. And it's your life. It's your lifestyle. It, quality of life. All of those things really matter. And that is certainly where the hometown ideas come in. But I'm, I, I could totally see him going to the Yankees, even though I haven't, I, I don't know about this all in all of that, if we've actually had someone from the Yankees say it. But I, I do think that people who are saying that he's done deal for the Angels, just, you know, give it a little bit of pause. I'm not saying he's not going to go there. I could very likely see that happening. But I, I just keep thinking back to Patrick Corbin, the New York Yankee, and how that didn't happen. I got a sense, and I don't know if I'm right, but I got a sense that we're nearing a point to where the owners are are kind of kind of done with it. When we're talking about these big contracts, because you know you, you always want to see records broken, but at some point, once you see Trout making whatever it is four thirty five or four thirty eight, you see Machado get three hundred, you see Harper got like three thirty something. There's a breaking point, and. Boris is trying to keep – he just tries to keep it going and more and more. I got to – because like with Lerner, the owner of the Nats is coming out saying, hey, I can't afford both Strasburg and Rendon. It's just – it doesn't make sense. Do you think we're getting to a point where the money has gotten so big, so high, that we're at a breaking point where the owners are like, enough's enough? You know, maybe it, it feels like, to your point, that we have to get there – at some point, I mean, I know inflation, you know, I know how all of those things work, but these numbers are so big. You know, I, I was working on something yesterday and looking at the five biggest free agent deals over the last five seasons, and it's just so weird to start two of those numbers with a three, right, for Machado <laughs> and Harper. And it, it, that part is, like, not lost on me. You know, it, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, it makes sense. These are outstanding players who deserve to be paid proportionally to what they've done and they've been really great but it's so hard to fathom the numbers sometimes for me even as a numbers person I think that you know one thing I'm curious to see if it happens more is there's been all these rumors about Rendon and about how he might take a really high average annual value shorter term contract right Um, I know Tom Verducci had mentioned it and there have been others reporting on it as well that he might go to a team like the Dodgers on like a six-year deal where he's going to make a lot of money per year as opposed to one of these 10-year, $250-plus million contracts. And I think that in certain ways, it's tough because higher average annual value does hurt you much more in the luxury tax because that's the average annual value is what counts against the tax. But the idea of committing for less time to a player seems like it's got to be more, you know, enticing to some of these teams because – if you look at the long-term contracts, you look at those 10-year contracts, most of them don't, or even five plus, seven plus, whatever we want to say, they're usually not great by the end, you know? So for me, it's almost more about the years than it is about the sums. So maybe they're going to get a little bit more money over a five-year span, but the team and the player will both be in better shape when that ends. You know? Yeah, and that's something like the Dodgers tried to do with Harper, but Harper won the 13 yep. years. I- I've said this exactly. for years for teams like the A's. Overpay for two years, you understand what you're getting, and then after two years you break from the player and basically overpay to make sure you get players in their prime, but players are still not – it doesn't seem like they're ready to make those kinds of deals yet. 
Yeah, and I mean, from the union perspective and from the player perspective, of course you want a 13-year deal or a 10-year deal. You want to know that you'll be able to provide for your family for that amount of time, and you don't know where you'll be on the other side of that deal, just like you don't know where you'll be on the other side of a five-year deal. So I understand it from that standpoint, and that's why I think that teams would have to definitely up the money proportionally in order to get a player to agree to that. And it, it comes down to so much, you know, personality type, where they are in their life, you know, how old are their kids? Do they have kids? All these other things. But I do think that that could be something that at least teams might try to do in terms of how these free agent deals change over, you know, whatever this course of time is, you know, next couple of years. Do you think, and we'll end on this, do you think Mookie Betts will be on the Red Sox on opening day? I, you know, I know there was a report today. I don't remember who it was from, but I remember getting an alert that said that they might not trade him because, you know, they're not getting the deal they wanted. And, you know, that's important reporting. And, you know, all we know in terms of all of this is from this reporting and it is great work that those national reporters do. But I looked at that and I was like, yeah, that makes complete sense to me. You know, I mean, we're talking about a world series champion an MVP, one of the best players in the American league. You know, I, I just, I think teams are have become very hesitant to trade prospects lately. And what ends up happening is that you get players like that not getting traded. You know, I mean, Mookie Betts for Joe Adele straight up. Yeah, I get that. But that's never going to happen. And when you start trying to piece together a deal beyond that, you know, with someone who isn't the number one overall prospect in baseball like he is, I, it's just so hard. I mean, every time I see a trade, I am in awe of a front office because I'm like, I don't know how they made that work, but that makes sense to me. You know, it's like I, I did a We did a, something on MLB.com uh, for Black Friday, deals you might want to see. And it took me so long to come up with mine because it's so hard to really come up with something realistic, you know. And we're talking about Mookie Betts. So I would not be surprised if he is on the Red Sox on opening day. And, you know, I'm sure that that might be upsetting to Red Sox fans who think he might walk and would want to get something for him. But, you know, we see this happen with so many players. I mean, how many times did we hear about Manny Ramirez being traded before he finally was? You know, all of these. Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, he was almost a Met like 15 times, you know, when I was like 10 years old. Like all of those. And the truth is that it's pretty hard to trade these guys. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still a Red Sox. Yeah, and you can say the same thing with the Cubs as the Cubs are all – you know, they're, they're yep. manic to make all these trades. It's like, and it's, I mean, what are you going to, and, and, and how about, I, I forgot that this Chris Bryant thing is still going on about his service time and that they still have to go oh, in yeah. from a, and from an arbiter. I forgot that was still going on. Yeah, it was odd because, you know, that was in 2015. And when it, I think that it hadn't been seen by a judge until recently. I don't know exactly how all that works with filing and stuff, but it's certainly a weird thing to be going on right now when we know that the team is at least going to explore or think about the idea of potentially trading him, right? It's, it's a weird place to be in, you know, where you wonder whether he feels at odds with the team or not. I have no idea. Um, or whether it's so long ago that it's more just about, you know, making it right for future players, which is, of course, very admirable and something else, too. But it is a weird, like, subtext with it, right? Sarah, you are the best. We always wish you were going to be in San Diego for the winter meetings. I know. I wish I was going to be, too. But unfortunately, I won't get a chance to. But 
Uh, I'll be following along everything. I mean, it's a great week, right? It's a great week. I would obviously much rather be there, but it's a great week to be at home, watch some ESPN baseball tonight, watch MLB Network, listen to every radio show, you guys, everybody. I mean, I'm just going to be awake for like 24 hours straight for four straight days listening to stuff, which is better than sleeping. Well, if something big happens, we're going to be calling you. Good. I hope so. I would love to chat. I would love to chat. And if we don't talk to you, have a great Christmas, have a great New Year's, and uh, be well with the family. Awesome. Thank you so much, and to you as well. Thank you. Great to talk with you. The great Sarah Langs right here on A's Cast Live. She brought up bad contracts. Oh, ho, 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 ho. we've got a list of some of the worst right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. So you just heard Trevor Bra- Trevor Bauer. And Commander Cody's like, oh, God, I hope he's at the winter meetings. I mean, that is your guy. I've already, he was like, when I reached out to, I reached out to, I think, literally every baseball team, except there's a few I haven't reached out to, one of them being the Astros, because, well, they're not going to help. And, of course, they're not going to help now with everything going on down there. Why not? Um, I reached out to the Reds. and A.J. Hinch, let's bring him on, Mr. Stanford. I, I didn't even ask the Reds for... David Bell or their GM, I uh, what's his name? Um, it's Nick something. Uh, I asked Trevor Bauer. I was like, is Trevor Bauer going to be there? I know MLB Network Radio will be there. Is Bauer going to be there? And the guy that I go through all the time goes, I'll forward your request to him. So that makes it sound like he's going to be there. Let's see if friend of the program Oh, makes, God, get him there. M- makes and, his appearance live. And, and what's so funny about Trevor Bauer is they're like, hey, just keep him to like 10 minutes. It's impossible. He wants to talk. Yeah, he just goes on. He- I understand how PR feels, right? They, they 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 don't want to overwork these guys. Trevor Bauer, when he comes on with us, I literally would just stay there. He he'd probably do the whole show. Talk about that. He does. A, you know, he does a show on MLB Network Radio once. I think it's once a month. Tommy about- John didn't want to leave. Yeah, he he's kept going. He even cursed on the program, which is always uh, got an S bomb out of old Charlie with. Uh, I mean Tommy John with. With uh, Trevor Bauer, we could have like he doesn't be no radio. Maybe there's like a thing where we have him co-host once a month, oh, maybe, maybe once every couple stop, months. Stop. Maybe he can co-host the, during pregame when stop. Giants and Reds play. Stop. <laughs> Me and Trevor Bauer. He doesn't drink, right? I don't, I don't think so. So he's like Tommy John. He's like you know I'll buy you I'll buy you Arnold Palmer's whatever you want. <laughs> I just want to be friends with you, Trevor Bauer. Because he's not the netty guy that I thought he was. Uh, by the way, did you see what he posted? On, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or not. I think it was like last know. week or two weeks what, what ago. What is he? Uh, it's, I think it's at Bauer Outage. He, uh, his McLaren got th- got destroyed in Texas. I mean, tough life having McLaren, but apparently a semi went over six lanes of traffic and crashed into the uh, showroom where his car was getting – something was going on with his car, and he got hit. And as he was tweeting about it, and I think he posted it on Instagram. But, yeah. Uh, he's great on social media, and he takes advantage of well. He was just in Japan, I think, last week, doing a, uh, doing a tour of things, and they were showing how this ball they have there is being like charged and it's and running on like Wi-Fi and stuff. It's pretty. It was pretty funny. Let's see. Do I follow him? I do not follow him. How's that, da- Trevor? I apologize. I wonder if he'll notice if I followed him. He checks Twitter. Oh no, he's 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 very good. I, I if you scroll down a little bit, there's a video that he posts of a ball being charged in Japan. I meant to, I forgot to tell you about it before. 
Um, I don't know how long he was. When he's he was, got shirts out there. We got to get shirts. Yeah, he has his own thing um, web, on his website. I almost bought one before for uh, Carlos Carrasco for the um, when he came back. There's the thing with the ball. So the ball's being like charged in Japan. It's interesting. I, like what? It's a baseball that's like in the circle. It's made by Mizuno. What do you mean the ball? Like, what's it being charged for? We'll have to. Uh, we'll watch the video uh, off the air with the volume, then we can talk about it. But it was pretty interesting when he posted it. Got a lot of views. Uh, I think Dallas Braden and him were talking. I think Dallas was talking to him about it uh, too. Uh, it was earlier this week, or maybe even over the weekend when that came out. I'm gonna tell you right now. If you ever get a chance to go to Tokyo, it is really amazing. It's my dream vacation to be uh, actually. It is food, the people. If you love baseball, their baseball is so new, unique. It's like college football. We got to get some Trevor Bauer shirts. That is for sure. I, you know what? Maybe I'll buy you that for Christmas. Uh, the Bauer outage one is the cool, the cool one. Well, they're all cool, but just because he's a friend of he's a friend of ours. All right, and they're holiday shirts. He's got a Christmas tree on the Bauer outage. Okay, put a list together now. I do not like talking about contracts when it comes to guys just re-signing with teams. I think that's completely different. Free agents going from one ball club, one organization to another, I think is different than just re-upping with a team. So we're going to take Chris Davis with a C. Not a K. We're going to take Chris Davis off the board here. He re-signed with the Orioles for seven years, $119 million. That's bad. But he was their guy. They didn't believe there was risk there. I want to talk about free agents and bad contracts and something the A's have been phenomenal at staying away from. Just going to go down the list. Pablo Sandoval, five years, $95 million. They paid a lot of money for Pablo to go away. Weight was an issue, didn't hit. It was just, you know, in the end, the San Francisco Giants, thank God for them that, they, they, that he left, got paid, and then came back and was kind of a productive player for him, But they didn't have to shell out that money because they were offering basically the same deal. Now, when you play your games at home, 81 games at home, the state tax in the state of Massachusetts is 5% flat. Obviously, making this kind of money, he'd be at 13.3% in the state of California playing 81 games. Uh, I remember seeing there was a difference just because of the way you get taxed based on where you play. Well, if you play the majority of your games in California versus Massachusetts, that's a pretty big chunk. Carl Crawford left the Rays for a seven-year, $142 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. Still shocked that that ended up being a bad deal, and they couldn't wait to unload him to L.A. That is one of those where you wonder, was stepping up to the big time versus playing in St. Petersburg 
where there is nobody in the stands and you're always the underdog, how much did that play to that? We're now, I'm not a Ray. I mean, you come up as a Ray. There's pressure here in the big leagues, but it's not. I, I've been there. I can see why a guy can just go out and play. There's no one in the stands. Everywhere you go, you're, you're, you're the underdog, the little engine that could. And now all of a sudden you get seven years, $142 million, You're in Boston. Expectations through the roof. Josh Hamilton's deal, five years, $125 million with the Angels. Oh! Albert Pujols, 10 years, $240 million. That is, and Albert hasn't been, I mean, if Albert wasn't making any money and you looked at his last couple of years, and he went, okay, he's driven in 100 runs. You know, it was uh, 2017, he drove in 101 runs. And I know some people went, well, did he live to the contract? I'm like, no. It's because he had a ton of guys on base in front of him. His OPS was 672. It's awful. Last year, injuries, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs, 700 OPS. That's 2018. 2019. 23 home runs, 93 RBI. Is that good? No. It's 734 OPS. This was a guy that led baseball multiple times. He basically had a, over a thousand OPS. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. That's the player they thought they were getting. And he hasn't even come close. They still have two more years on the deal down in L.A. Well, really, and I. They're going to pay Albert Pujols next year $29 million. And then at the age of 41 in 2021, they're paying him 30. I'm going to bet. From 2012 to 2021, paying him $240 million, they will never win a World Series. And then the kicker on this contract is as soon as the contract expires, immediately kicks in a 10-year, $10 million personal service contract. They're going to pay him a million dollars a year just to be Albert Pujols. Albert won, but did the Angels? Prince Fielder, nine years, $214 million with the Tigers in 2012. Still a really bad deal for the Tigers. They can't shake this. Jordan Zimmerman, five years, $110 million. Chan Ho Park, but was this an extension, Chan Ho? I'm going to wait and let you look this up. How about Jason Bay, four years, $66 million with the Mets? David Price, the record for a pitcher, seven years, $217 million. Free agent deal. Chan Ho Park came over from the Dodgers. Was Bay, Bay's, Bay's was an extension, though. Wasn't he a Met? 
He was, I think he got, let me look, but I know he was, he got traded from the Pirates to the Red Sox. And then I, he might have left Boston to go to New York. Oh, let me check. Oh, yeah. And Barry Zito, seven years, $126 million. I remember Kevin Brown when he signed with the Dodgers for like 115 or whatever it was. How many of these guys don't end up with the same team? How many of these guys do they say, just get out of here and we'll pay you, or we're going to trade you? There's been great loyalty to Albert Pujols in Anaheim. I just wonder, are they at some point going to have to eat it? 29 and 30 million left. I don't know how the Angels think they can compete without Shohei Otani being in that lineup on a consistent basis. It just doesn't make sense to me. This whole thing about him starting and give him the day off before he starts, give him the day off from hitting the day before, the day he pitches, and the day at, wait a minute, seven days a week, three of those days he's not hitting, four of the days, and that's if you're playing every day. So you're trying to tell me that bat that's so crucial to that lineup is only going to be in the lineup four days a week? By the way, if you're telling me that as an A's, as an A's guy, Thank you. If you're going to keep Shohei Otani out of the lineup three three days a week, I'm thanking the Angels. Hey, Joe Madden, why not pit? Why not have him out in the lineup for four of those days? I think it's crazy. I know we love the contracts. I know we love the numbers. But the reality is. So many of these big contracts, as Sarah Lang said, they're not good for your team. They really aren't. And I think a lot of these owners, they understand it. Like, why am I going to give a guy 12 years? You think the St. Louis Cardinals aren't thrilled that Albert Pujols went on and they didn't pay him? And that he's not on the team now. I do think it was ridiculous. He got a standing ovation every single time he came to the plate. Whatever. They're happy they don't have him. They're happy they didn't take that contract. There's a lot of bad deals. If you had to bet, Commander, who stays the full time on their contract between Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, who would you pick? Harper. I don't think Machado stays in San Diego. I think there's no chance. I think Harper I think Harper shows more loyalty than Machado would. I think Machado is going to get tired of losing. And where at least the Phillies have been kind of competitive that one year. I mean, he's only there for one year, but they were more competitive than the Padres were. And they're going to – they're all in. As Bob Knight goes with, they're all in on Anthony Rendon. And their backup plan is Josh Donaldson. So In Philly, yeah. So Philly's just trying to steal everyone that's a free agent from their own division to play for their team, as they've been doing for the last few years. But I think I think Donaldson stays, or Donaldson. I think Bryce Harper 
is more likely to stay the 13 years of Manny Machado is to say that what he got 10 in San Diego. Well, who do you think? I think you're right. I mean, San Diego is going through this process. Tommy Fan they traded for yesterday. This has been the mo of of, of AJ Preller. Go all in, it fails. Then go all out. Then go all in. Then go all out. You can go all in. You're not going to beat the Dodgers. They were even 500 last year. They do have some interesting talent. Also from the world of baseball, that is really affecting American life. Opioids. And ever since Tyler Skaggs passed away in Texas, baseball now realizes they have a problem with these modern-day players. You know, there, there, there's been issues in baseball for years with drugs and alcohol. But the drugs, they change, right? In the 80s, they had street drugs. It was either cocaine. It was marijuana. It was crystal meth. They were street drugs that they were worried about the players. Street drugs evolved to, there's a lot of money in the game, and why am I doing those when I can be start taking stuff that makes me a better player? And in the late 80s, into the 90s, now became steroids. And from steroids and anabolic steroids, guys started getting smarter And then we started hearing about stuff like testosterone patches and all these types of things that make you better. Because obviously, in the late 70s, well, who knows from the 70s at what point. We'll just say late 70s into the 80s, obviously, cocaine was not making you a better player. We've had greenies, which is amphetamines, which is speed, has been in the game forever. But they really transitioned into, how do I make myself better? Because there's a lot of money to be made in the game. And then now, like what's happening around, what they say, it's like 100 people die a day, or maybe more than that, from from pills. Painkillers are what a lot of people are using right now, mixing with alcohol. And it's killing a lot of people and destroying lives. And it destroyed Tyler Skaggs' life. And Tony Clark the head of the players' union, they're talking about, okay, what do we do with players and we're going to start get got to test these guys, obviously. But players who test positive, you know, because where are they getting this stuff? Are you getting it from doctors? Are you getting it from trainers? And they're still they're, – they're, at some point we will get more information on Tyler Skaggs. But Tony Clark said, quote, we believe wholeheartedly, as we always have, that the treatment option and not discipline is the best route to go. Which, at this point, from where, from what the players have been doing, I agree for now. I agree for now. Like, if you've been on Oxycontin or fentanyl or or whatever you're taking, 
What's the other big one? God, I can't write. It's the main one. Everybody. What's one that you say? Uh, Oxycon, fentanyl, but what's the one everybody? Um, the, I, uh, come on. It's the number one that everybody takes when they have surgery. Oh, um, morphine? No. No. Morphine. I, don't, I never have surgery, so I don't know. I never used it. It's the lower version of Oxycontin. Everybody's screaming right now, and they know what it is. Um, I mean, I can always reach out to our resident uh, medical expert. Pink. Let me see. Here, I'll try looking for it, too. Oh, God. Now it's driving me nuts. After surgery. It's the number one. Everybody, so many people take it. Hey, Medicare, Mayo Clinic after surgery. As so, soon as you hear it, you're going to be like, and I know, bear with us. You guys are all saying, what's the list? I'm not going to be able to. God, it's on the tip of my tongue. What? The, um... All right, I'll, I'll let it go. Uh, but, but I agree, because so many people are taking it. But at some point, you have to say, you can't do this anymore. And if you do, if you're abusing this, if you're not, if you didn't have surgery and you didn't have whatever, um, you're going to have to, because that's that's the only way to keep people from doing it. Highly addictive. And, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to test the play. Testing the players is key. No question. But, you're going to have to stop them from doing it. So right now, I will agree that this is the right way to go, but it's only for now. The other thing Tony said where it just continues to be tone deaf is they, they've they been talking about because they just met. So Tony Clark met with all the players' representatives, and they they, they were talking about pace of play. Here's the quote. We've seen a game that has changed dramatically over the last four or five years. And I don't know that there's a clear answer yet on what type of game we want to have. Guys are very concerned about the constant discussion about rule changes. If we want to make extraordinary changes, call it something else. Don't call it baseball. Tony, Tony, come on, buddy. You got to work with us here. You know, they don't like the new three batter minimum. They don't like it. They don't like that they're trying to speed up the game. Now, Clark said the union is receptive to reducing the length of the breaks between innings to one minute, 55 seconds during the regular season. Here's the bottom line that players don't understand. You know what? Coming up next, this, I'm going to tell you what players don't understand. And I'll tell you what Tony doesn't understand. But I think everybody else around the game understands it. And don't forget Dave Stewart coming up at 3.30. That's all coming up right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, 
you know, next week when we have Fossey on, the great Ray Fossey, we'll bring this up again. Back in his era, they didn't come to the ballpark that early. Like, these guys are literally there all day long. Like, they come to eat lunch, and they hang out, and the game's not till 7.07. I mean, why would you get there hours before BP when you play 162? That's what these guys are. So these guys, honestly, they don't they, – to them, they've been there all day. What do they care how long the game is? But what Tony Clark, the players' union head, and all of these players who are part of this union and the guys who are the player rep for their team, they need to understand. If your game starts it's, – it's simple. If games start at 7.07 and you play three and a half hours, that's 8.07 – 9.07, 10.07, game inning at 10.37. 10.37. Okay, so the game ends at 10.37. What do they do? They got to talk to the media. They got to shower. They got to get dressed. They'll roll out of there. You know, they go home. They go to sleep. And they do it all over again. But for the average fan, the people who you're entertaining, the fan, you, me, the most important people, we don't have this kind of time. So if the game ends at 1037, three and a half hours, I mean, some of these games are going four hours. That means this game would end after 11. But I'm giving you 1037 because three hours and 30 minutes happens all the time. So game ends. A's win. They all come out of the dugout. They high-five. You grab your stuff. You walk to your car. Work with me here. How long did that take? At least 10 minutes, right? 10 to 15 to get up and walk, and then walk, get out to your car to the parking lot. Now you start your car. It's going to take a little time. It's right after the game to get out of the parking Are you out of the parking lot by 11 o'clock? Where do you live? In the Bay Area. It's going to take you time to get home. Odds are you don't live right around the ballpark. So now you're not getting home to 1130 or later. Uh, by the way, nobody's kids can do this, Tony. Nobody's kids. You're not worried about pace of play. But you know what? We all are because I can't bring my kids to games. And that's why it's a ridiculous argument when people call me in the postgame show. I don't care how long the game is. Well, then obviously you don't have a job. Or you don't have a job in the morning. Most people don't have the type of lifestyle where they can get home 1130 midnight and wake up super early to get into the morning commute to go to work and do it all over again, do it all over again the night before. I mean, the next night and the next night of a homestand. That's why you see kids on the weekends. That's why you see kids in the summertime because my kids can't stay up that late and get home that late and go to school the next day. That's why we're starting to see Major League Baseball teams start games earlier. These guys got to realize 
for what's best for the sport. Time is an issue. I would say time is the biggest issue in baseball versus anything else. Versus the ball, the juice ball, the juice bat, strike zone, drugs, you name it. The biggest problem this game has is how long it's taking. That's why you're seeing not as many butts in the seats. Because I don't have all, I I, I can't sit there. I mean, I do it because I get paid. But I got to tell you what, as, as a, I'm a big a baseball fan as anybody. You think I want to get home at midnight? You think I want to get home at 12, 15, 12, 30? When I could just watch the game for free at home? And when the game's over, I can turn it off and I can go to bed. So now with that game's off, so that game is over at 1037, I can be in bed by 1038. Versus if I'm at the game, now I'm saying three hours and 30 minutes. We should not be playing games over three hours. And a lot of that has to do with the players. The players are slow. They're slow with everything. They're slow with the box. Oh, they get in, they get out. They get in, they get out. All these pitching changes. Man, pitching coach walks out to the mound. Go to commercial break. Pitching coach walks back to the dugout. Come out of the commercial break. Walk the guy. Now here comes the manager. Go to another break. Now the guy's got to trot in from the ball. I mean, you get a couple pitching changes in an inning, it's extended the game by 20, 25, sometimes 30 minutes. That's why they're going to the three-batter rule. And if you were listening the other day, here, talk to my wife and ask her why she's calling me during the show. So if you... We're, at, we're, we're asking my wife live here on the air. Oh, she's going to Trader Joe's. So so why is my wife calling me live? See, we can't do this during regular radio. Um, but actually in the morning show radio, I could do crazy stuff like this. Uh, she wanted she wanted to let you know she's going to Trader Joe's. Oh, that's great. And I think she wanted I, – I didn't catch the last part because you started talking, but I think she wanted, to know if, wanted me to let you know if she needed anything to let her know. At Trader Joe's? Yes. Do we need anything? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we're going to San Diego. What do we need? Yeah, I don't really need anything. I mean, I got tomorrow off. Oh, I'm alone tonight. I mean, I, I got to find something to do. I'm, it's going to be hard to make something for dinner. So we'll see. You need her to get you something for dinner? No, I'm okay. Uh, I think I have something in the fridge at home. Because okay, tomorrow I got off. Sunday I got Raiders, Titans. And then Monday morning we leave for San Diego. But 9 a.m. we're leaving, right? So we got to remember to check into our flights. I want a window seat or an aisle seat for that long, treacherous hour and 20-minute oh, flight to San Diego. It's going to be brutal. You're going to have to really pack hard for that long flight. Actually, I have to take all that radio equipment, so I have to probably check a bag, which is going to take even more time. Oh, we got plenty of time. Don't worry. Well, how far is the airport from where we're going? Down the street. Oh, all right. I don't, I've only been to San Diego once, and I, was, I drove there. Like, literally... You'll come out of the airport and stay on the same road. They'll take us right to the uh, the Manchester Hyatt where we'll be shacking up for three days at the baseball winter meetings. Uh, I, th- I thought it was at the Hilton. It's at the Bayfront Hilton. 
Uh, that was the Hyatt. It's same, they're all right next to each yeah, other. Well, yeah, that's Do what you I get too. what I'm saying about the pace of play? Yes. I think it's ridiculous that he would think that he would think that Tony Clark would think that. Like, Tony, I know your kids are probably grown up by now, but, you know, that's the lifeblood. Three three hours and 30 minutes, you're telling me the game ends at 1037. Why do I want to be out at night on a Monday or a Tuesday at 1037? And it's cold. You know who combated that really well? The Giants did that. I commend them on starting their games. What They start at 645 now God, instead we, of when, 705. When we were in Cleveland, I want to say uh, when I was on that road trip, they started games at 6. It was awesome. Even though the game was three hours, we were out of there at nine. So that's smart for Cleveland to do that because everyone's getting off of work. They can go. People like people rally around the Indians, and it's a good and it's good for I, kids I know, can watch. And I is is the traffic that traffic sucks. You know what? God bless everybody saying the Coliseum site, and it's going to be for Jack London too. But traffic's going to be bad either way, whether the game starts at 6 or whether the game starts at 7. I I would totally be down for starting at 6. It's just, it's unreal that the people who play the game and and represent the players don't understand how ridiculous it is. Coming up next, an A's Hall of Famer, the great Dave Stewart, will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Dave Stewart will be down at A's Fantasy Camp. I wonder if Stu uh, gets on the mound and starts winging it around. We're going to ask him. Credentials are second to none. Three-time World Series champion. World Series MVP. Two-time ALCS MVP. Won the lead, won, uh, led the league in wins in 1987. Pitched a no-no June 29th, 1990. Obviously, recently put in the Athletics Hall of Fame. And going to join us in moments as fantasy camp is really right around the corner. My advice is, if you're going to fantasy camp, you better start getting yourself in shape. Because you you need to get into somewhat of baseball shape. Because if you don't, You're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you got you to start throwing. I mean, start throwing now. By the way, I just got our uh, notes for the winter meetings from MLB Network. Wow. MLB Network puts out the greatest notes. It's really unbelievable. They have their – I've got Cody. They've got like eight – they've got like 20 Cody's working on this thing. We're not – we don't have Stu. Want to ask Stu about what it is like to get ready as an executive for these meetings? Like, what are your goals? Like, what do you what, what do you want to accomplish? And what if you're a team that really wants? 
to wheel and deal. And you and you really got to know too. The other thing about the winter meetings is this is your chance to be face to face. And that's something that David Force talked about last night at, at our outing at the Coliseum inside the clubhouse. You know, everybody's got a suite. So you can call up to the St. Louis Cardinals, say, hey, let's meet. You want to come here? You want me to go there? You know, the days of like, hey, let's meet at the bar are over. There's too many people. But it's going to be your last chance to meet with somebody and it's always easier to do any type of deal when you got somebody in front of you. When you have somebody that you can look in their eye, you can see their facial expressions versus so much today is texting and emailing or talking on the phone. I know when I do deals, I'd much rather be looking at a guy in the eye. This is your chance. And I'll tell you, I mean, baseball ops people are going to, they don't care. But for your organization, right now, when you make a splash right before Christmas, boy, you get all fired up, right? You get, I mean, the organization, you make a big splash now. What do you think marketing does? Like we were talking about trout, how every giveaway is trout. You sign a big free agent at the winter meetings. Now your marketing people can start planning on promoting this player, this big free agent. And we have Dave Stewart. Dave, welcome back to Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend. We always appreciate the time. How are you? If you are satisfied. Wow, Commander. The only problem with this is that we can't tell. And when it says when it says they joined the call, I can't tell if it's a voicemail or not. So maybe that's something we need to work on. Talk about our next budgeting meeting, how we need a better software. On Don't bring me to calls. those meetings. <laughs> you know the longest tenured guy right now in baseball is Bob Melvin? Yep, we, talk, we broke that news a couple months ago to Bob's face. And he he tried to call us he tried to call I, us out about it. Well, because Terry Francona didn't take time off from Boston to Cleveland, but once you leave, once you once you move on from an organization, that's the bottom line. You've moved, you've changed. Kevin Cash has been with it's been six years already. Wow. So Bob Melvin's been with the A's for ten years. Tito Francona eight with the Indians. A.J. Hinch and Kevin Cash and Craig Council. Six years. That's Astros, Rays, and Brewers. Scott's, okay, here's one that would blow your mind. Don Mattingly's been with the Marlins for five years already. It's amazing how fast, how fast these things go. But the winter meetings... I mean, this is something that uh, you can make some hay, and it's big. When you make that splash, like when Boston signed Manny Ramirez, 
I mean, that's a big splash. We have Dave. Dave, welcome to Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? At the tone. (laughs) Stu literally just texted me and told me to call the number I just dialed. So. Huh. What is it? Is it a cell phone? Well, that's what that, that's what happens when you got millennial technology going. But we are going to be at the winter meetings Monday, we uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We'll do the show from one to four, and then of course we'll replay the show from four to seven. And I got a feeling that we're gonna we're gonna see some explosions going on. Huh? Yeah, try it. Oh, you saying he's there now? Dave. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, man, how are you? We got you. How are you? I'm good, man. I apologize. In my area of, of San Diego, there's the, the signal sometimes doesn't pick up, so I don't always get my calls. Yeah, no, no, no problem. We got you now. That's all that that all that matters. And you know, going back to your days as an executive. What was it like going into the winter meetings? Because everybody has different wants and needs. Well, what you do is, as an organization is you, you obviously sit back, um, you, you get together with your, uh, your professional scouts, and your pro scouts are the guys that uh, see every team. Usually you have three or four of them, uh, and they cover each division, both American League and National League, plus two team. Yeah, we're going to have to call him back. That's the problem with cell phones. That's the problem with cell phones. That's why it's great that Ray Fossey is the last human being that has a landline. We've actually been calling Fossey on his cell phone recently. Too. Really? Yeah, he goes, I don't have a landline in Arizona. Oh, he just has one here? Yeah. Yeah, Fossey has home has a home here and has a home in Arizona. You know why? Because he's Ray Fossey. That's the problem. <clears throat> and you know what? I, I do some guest stuff, for, especially for football. People will call me to talk about Raiders. I always make sure I go outside. So, but, I mean, you just never know when you're dealing with cell phones. It always depends where you are. I'm scared it's not going to work. We got the great Dave Stewart. We're running out of time. Is he going to be at the winter meetings? <clears throat> I mean, he's Dave Stewart. He's in San Diego. That's another guy, too. When you start talking about a baseball life, we're talking about this wing that we're trying to create for the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, we talked to Keith Lippman earlier today. Like Dave Stewart's life as a baseball player, as a pitching coach, as a pitching coach for a team that went to the World Series, to an agent, television. I mean, you'd have to have Dave Stewart with what he did as a player and what he's done since, you'd have to have him on on that list of we kind of we got to come up with a name for it. 
You know, we got the Ford C. Frick Award winner. But we got to come up with a name for this wing. And we talked to Tony Roos about that. You know, Dave Duncan should be in the Hall of Fame. The A success, the Cardinals success, they won championships. And one of the reasons why they won was pitching. And he is truly one of the great pitching coaches to have ever lived. We should have this wing in the Hall of Fame where a guy like Keith Lippman, everything he's done in the game, the greatness in the game. Are, are you? Do you have a landline? We're going to do it one more time to get the great Dave Stewart. You know how many A's fans have been waiting for this because it's Dave Stewart? Hopefully he's got a different part in his house where he gets better reception. And that's got how frustrating is that? Is that if if you live in an area where you maybe have, don't have a cell tower near you? <laughs> I I apologize for this. I apologize. We were hoping to have Dave. Hopefully we're going to get him. Uh, if we don't, maybe we'll get him down in San Diego. Hopefully he'll be at the winter meetings. And it's going to be a very fluid thing down in San Diego. You know, we're going to set up kind of like in a radio row, so. We can start telling you the big names we're going to have now. But the reality is we're going to have even more big names with all the people walking around and Cody grabbing guys and bringing them up. And it's going to be awesome. Says he's joined. Dave, you there? The way it rang for so long, that was voicemail. I wasn't even taking that chance again. I told him, he said, he texted me, he said, my connection is not very good here. So, all right, well, another time for Stu. But I can talk about the guests we have next week so far. Uh, Matt Veskersen, friend of the program, will be joining us on set uh-huh. on Monday. Kevin Cash, manager of the Rays. Like it. Uh, Mad Dog wants a tape with us, so we're going to get the Mad Dog in We person. get to meet him in person. Yes. I, I, you know what? He loves us. And wait till he meets us in person. Yeah, so. What day is that? Uh, he didn't say which day. He just needs a tape between 11 and 12, so we'll Perfect. figure that out. And, well, uh, that, that, that'll be dicey. Can't, I wouldn't plan on Monday. No, I told him not Monday. I said Tuesday or Wednesday is better. Okay. And then uh, Wednesday, Gabe Kapler, manager of the Giants. Manager of the San Francisco Giants. So far. And then we'll probably get David, And although you told him after the interview the other day, oh, this you don't have to worry about doing it in San Diego now. I think David's tired. I think David Force is officially tired of me. And if David – is in the hall in the uh, main reception. If David Force is right there and he can hear this, I guarantee you David Force is going, yep, Townie, I'm pretty much done with you. Well, the, your good friend Billy Bean will be there then. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna effort on Billy. Uh, Bob Melvin's going to join the program. Um, with Billy, we got to get him to come back on and make sure your hair looks good so he can come on your hair again. That was a great conversation. The hair will look good. Let's, let's, not, let's not. Are we, are we going to do buying or selling? Is that where we're going? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. By the way, the uh, the notes for MLB Network that they've just sent me for the winter, winter meetings is 39 pages. 39 pages. Wow. 39. We're going to San Diego 
armed with 39 pages of info. The first page you pulled up was on Jace Tingler, new manager of your brother, no, San been Diego Padres. Trying to get down to the A's. All right, so the streak continues for on A's Cast Live with buying or selling. So Garrett Cole still hasn't signed yet. But the Yankees are all in, according to Jeff Passan and Scott Boris. Uh, we know he had the historic season, going to get the most money out of a pitcher, but yet he's never won a Cy Young. He's never won a World Series. And the rumors going around is he might get that mega deal with the Angels. But we'll see. Pitching in New York could do wonders for Garrett Cole over pitching in L.A. for his legacy. Something Garrett Cole kind of needs to build a little bit on more, just besides these last two years he's had with the Astros. So buying or selling at signing with the Yankees will help Garrett Cole's legacy. Oh, uh, buying. You win in New York, it changes everything for your career. I mean, it's New York. Or if you struggle there, it ruins your career. Totally. I mean, look at, I mean, he didn't ruin his career, but Sonny Gray struggled in New York. I mean, he's doing really well now. And we had the one really above, I would say, average, above average season with the, the Reds. He's really good this year for them. I finally found the A's. Jeez. There's a little, well, there's a lot of people on there. <laughs> you know what's cool is they got every free agent on here, and they just mark them off when they sign. Oh, I sent you the list of, ESPN has a list that update daily. Well, now I can have my own list, and I can just. Well, we, we wanted to print the one out and put it in the studio, the uh, chicken pie shop key, in San Jose. You, you want the key off-season storylines, according to MLB Network? How will Oakland fill out their rotation? A full season of Manaya helps, and Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck will likely be big contributors, but they need to hit on some veterans and free agency to get back to the playoffs. Number two, can they ink Marcus Simeon, free agent after 2020, to an extension? Is it too early to explore an extension with Matt Chapman to buy out his arbitration years before his before he prices himself out of Oakland, a la Josh Donaldson. Number three, will the A's be able to take the next step in their stadium negotiations? Well, we had to build on, we had to build with Dave Cavill the other day, so if you missed it, check it out. It's on athletics.com slash podcast. Dave will fill you in on all that. Um, By the way, you want some consistency? And we'll be bringing this up at the winter meetings. In 2019, here are the A's AL ranks. Runs scored fifth, home runs fourth, starters ERA fourth, bullpen ERA fourth. Pretty consistent. That led to 97 wins. Back-to-back years, 97 wins. So the Astros made a trade yesterday to shake things up. They traded outfitter Jake Marisnik to the Mets. Marisnik is a good defensive outfitter who spent the last six years with the Astros. This move helps open a roster spot for either Miles Straw or Kyle Tucker. But was this the real reason why they traded him? So I'm going to ask you, buying or selling, the Astros traded, traded Jake Marisnik because of his involvement in stealing signs. Because he was holding the camera in center field? Maybe he was the guy banging on the trash can. <laughs> uh, he can't hit, so I'm selling. Someone someone put out a list of like all the guys, their former Blue Jays prospects, that ended up playing like ended up playing somewhere else, and five of them played for the Mets. It's not Marisnik. Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, Travis Darnell, and there's one other guy that, like, there's five top prospects of Blue, ten prospects as Blue Jays had that never played for the organization, and, like, half of them played for the Mets. So, the Mets uh, love taking the Blue Jays prospects. 
Tim Britton of The Athletic did a piece in The Athletic on the 20 best games of the 2010s. He had Game 5 of the 2017 World Series between the Astros and Dodgers, 4th, in which the Astros won 13-12 in 10 innings. Number 3 was the 2014 AL wildcard game between the A's and Royals, which we all remembered how that game turned out. Number 2 was the 2011 World Series Game 6 between the Cardinals and Rangers, which was awesome with David Freese and everything he did, in which the Cardinals won in 11 innings over the Rangers. And the number 1 best game of the decade... The 2016 World Series, Game 7 between the Cubs and Indians, which the Cubs won 8-7 in 10 innings. Remember the delay, and, and Rajay Davis hit the home run in the ninth inning. So buying and selling Game 7 of the 2016 World Series is the best game of the decade. Say that again? Buying or selling Game 7 of the 2016 World Series is the best game of the decade. I buy that. It was a really good game. Yeah, oh. it was a really good game. But that Astro, I think that Astros Dodgers game in 2017 is way too low. I think that game was incredible. They kept going back. There was 25 runs scored in 10 innings. So I disagree. But that the World Series was great because the Cubs won after 100 what 108 years. So oh, that game was good amazing. for good for the Cubs. Yeah. All right. So Mark Lerner, the owner of the Nationals, talked. But the to, rain delay kind of. Yeah. But it was that's that was the uh, one of though it's the first time that. Um, Matt, Ch- or Matt Chapman. I rolled a Chapman blew a big game. Second time was this year against Jose Altuve in the twenty in the uh, game seven of the ALCS. So Mark Lerner, the owner of the Nationals, talked to NBC Sports Washington about Strasburg and Rendon. And here's what he said: We really can only afford to have one of those guys. They're huge numbers, and we already have a large payroll to begin with. Yes, I know you just resigned Howie Kendrick to a six million dollar deal, but they were willing to get Bryce Harper three hundred plus million dollars. So makes me wonder. How much money are they? Do they really have? So something's funny here. So buying or selling, the Nationals will fail to resign both Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg. Uh oh yeah. Don't you think they're both gone? I'm- I think so. But the I'm- question is, who do they bring in if they let them go? Do they go make a? Do they go all in for Garrett Cole? I mean, you need to replace Rendon. Yeah, oh, totally. That's why, like, like you go get. Donaldson. You go get Donaldson. It's a cheaper option. Or you and, trade and, for someone. And he can still swing it. I mean, that, these – can you imagine? I mean, what do you – how much can you spend in players? I mean, if you go all in on Strasburg, you go all in on Rendon, you're already all in on Scherzer. Can you imagine if they would have been all in on Harper? They got Corbin still, too. Don't forget about him. What would your payroll be? I know. And then they, they... You're talking about billions of dollars or well over a billion of – well over a billion in guaranteed money. Also, don't forget, you have one Soto you still have to resign eventually somewhere down the road. So that's going to be a big yeah, contract. that's years from now, though. So the Padres are wheeling and dealing this offseason. Oh, Tony Pham. Your brother's Padres, that is, the uh, the special the, assistant to the assistant general manager, Bob we, Townsend. we, we, we got to find out what my brother's title is with the Padres <laughs> while we're down in San Diego. So they got your guy, Jerickson Profar, from the A's. They just got Tommy Pham from the Rays. Their lineup now could be Fernando Tatis, Tommy Pham, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, Jerickson Profar, Manuel Margot, Trent Grisham, who they just got in a trade from the Brewers, and Francisco Mejia, who was the number one catching prospect in baseball a few years ago. But Jim Bowden likes the idea of them also trading for Mitch Hanniger from the Mariners. But they still need a top-end starting pitcher. So buying or selling, the Padres will challenge the Dodgers this season. Selling. 
The Dodgers are going to roll that division for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think the next best team in that division is Arizona, and they barely tried this year. I think the Padres lineup's pretty strong right now. Uh, it's got depth. It does, but they have no pitching. You don't like Lucchese? Local kid. He's not bad. They got some guys in their system that are coming Are you up. saying Strasburg's not going back home? You're telling me Garrett Cole's not signing there, too? Garrett Cole? What? Is that, is that happening while we're there? What if they both signed? What if the Padres just signed both of them? And then, and then in Do you July. Do your payroll would be? Then in July, they trade both of them. The, I don't even know who the owner is, but he might as well just hand the keys over to the players and say, hey, you own the team. You pay me. All right. Mookie Betts is the biggest name on the trade block right now. The real question is, will Chief Baseball Officer Hein Bloom actually pull the trigger the and C- trade him? The CBO? The CBO. The winter meetings are next week, and we will be there. Shameless plug for us. The Boston Red Sox seem to be hesitant on trading him now because the return will be too low as the rumors that came out today. Now, Jim Bowden, in a PC report for The Athletic, picked all mo- a different move for all 30 teams, and he said that the Red Sox should re-sign Mookie Betts to a 10-year, $370 million deal this offseason at the winter meetings. So buying or selling the Boston Red Sox will re-sign Mookie Betts. Do you bring in a guy like Heim Bloom to sign somebody for $380 million? No, just like the Cubs don't bring in David Ross to be a puppet. No one brings Rossi in. Would you try? I mean, I would sign him. Is Mookie Betts worth $380 million? I mean, he's been the second best player in baseball behind Mike Trout the last five years. And Mike Trout's getting, what, 430? I can't justify, but hey, it's not my money. As I'm, uh, who was it? Uh, Will Leach told us, he goes, well, I, don't, I, I like to play with fake money and pretend I have it. So when he did it and everything, I, I mean, $38 is a lot per year for a guy, but I mean, he's 27. He's had the, a great five-year run right do, behind do, Trout. Do the Red Sox still sell out with Mookie Betts gone? No. No? No. They have the highest price tickets, and they sell out every game. I don't know. I mean, the, the fans aren't going to be uh, behind this uh, whole th- idea of let's let everyone go and rebuild for the future. Yeah, that's that's not going to go over well in Boston. All right, last one. The Mets are finally phasing the Wilpons out over the next five years. They don't spend a lot of money in free agency anymore or retain their players. Hopefully, they resign the polar bear with the new owner Steve Cohen. Uh, they add they also have their best players in constant trade rumors. They fired Mickey Callaway after two years, but the New York Knicks has fired David Fisdale today after starting four and eighteen. They've been really bad. The Giants stink. The Jets just lost to the winless Bengals. The Islanders and Yankees are good, and the Rangers are finally starting to rebound after a disastrous year last year. So buying or selling, I forgot about the the Brooklyn Nets, but they don't have Kevin Durant. Buying or selling, the Mets are the most dysfunctional franchise in New York City. No way. It's the New York Knickerbockers. I was going to say, I was hoping you'd take the Knicks. Oh, my God. The Knicks. They are just, they are a train wreck. They have the lowest winning percentage over the last, I think, 25 years. Under That's what James Dolan is at the helm as the owner. It is hard to believe at Madison Square Garden that you haven't been able to win since the 70s. The last time they did the playoffs was when I mean, they had Carmelo with Mike Woodson, but the last good player they had besides Melo was Allen Houston, and we're going way back in the early 2000s. They haven't won an NBA title since the 70s. That's how, And it's New York. Now, they ended up losing to Jordan when they had Patrick Ewing, but – I mean, oh, then uh, who the, they lost to the Rockets with Patrick Ewing against Hakeem Olajuwon. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. We will replay the show, and do not forget, 
We will be in San Diego Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday updating you on everything winter meetings right here on A's Cast Live. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.